I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there, I'm Danny Kelly. Welcome to a longer, thicker and better version of the Trans Europe Express podcast. It's a three-hour special as we review everything that's happened in all the leagues across Europe, plus preview the World Cup and talk about an amazing season in the Champions League. To do so, I'm joined by not one, but two of the super brains of modern European football, uh, Rob Daly and Mark Langdon. It should be a belting show. In fact, of course, because I've recorded it, I know it already is. Thanks for listening, and thanks for listening throughout the season. Hopefully we'll be back next season with more Trans Europe Express. Trans Euro Express end of season review with Danny Kelly, Mark Langdon and Rob Daly on Talk Sport. Yeah, welcome one now. Welcome everybody. One, welcome all. Welcome everybody to Trans Europe Express, a three-hour special. The end of the season roundup. We'll be going across all the big leagues in Europe and some of the smaller ones, talking about the big issues, the small issues, and blokes arrested for going on the pitches with guns and dogs that interrupted matches and all the usual furniture. And we'll be just me, Danny Kelly, and two the top two brains after that poll we did during the week, and um, which left poor old uh, Andy. Brown Marcel and uh, Gabriel Marcotti on the sidelines is the top two of the season. I mean, it's it's all about winning. I mean, and, and your votes have got, brought them here. Rob Daly is here. Hello, Rob. Hello, Danny. Thank you very much for coming. And Mark Langdon is here. Good evening, Danny. I think there's reason. Oh, again, again, please, in your proper oh, voice. Good evening, Danny. Oh, a bit, a bit croaky, no? We're getting some water. Get that man some water. Now, uh, the uh, listeners wanted Mark Langdon because they want to hear more of his stories about his social life with Patrick Clivert in the dives and bar- pole dancing clubs of Europe. Rob Daly has been invited back because he will defend the new Arctic Monkeys album. Uh, the, la- the Lounge Jazz Arctic Monkeys album to the last drop of blood in his body. As I said... Because of the warm weather here in London, I'm wearing what can only be described as someone's granny's shirt. It's a big flowery shirt that you might have got in Richard's shops in the 1980s. They're bringing back the pretty things. Um, And one of the two men is wearing no trousers. He tells me, for now we won't reveal who it is, um, it's too warm for trousers. He tells me that what he's wearing are called mini shorts. Um, But I, looking at the colour of them, would describe them as a lilac posing pouch. Um, so I want you to have that issue. It could be in your mind. It could be daily. It could be Lang. We'll reveal later who is strutting their stuff in the lilac posing pouch. Welcome to Trans Europe Express. Uh, we sit in the late night cafe. In my lilac posing pouch. <laughs> pouch. Why is that in your head? The lilac posing pouch. 
because of a story that was once told to me. It uh, involves the, uh, the in, it happened in the shadow of the new Arsenal Stadium, the uh, rock and roll magazine uh, Sounds, mm-hmm. um, which uh, was a great rival to the New Music Express and the Melody Maker back in the day. Um, they, the very hot summer of 1976, my, my friend Alan Lewis was the editor of Sounds, and of course it was that summer where every day was 100 degrees. And the father of the chapel, that was this journalist union, um, was a man called Phil Sutcliffe, um, lovely man. I've worked with him many times since. And he went and complained about the heat. Said, Alan, we've got to get uh, air conditioning or something. Alan said, what? It's 1976. I haven't even invented air conditioning. What are you going on about? <laughs> and he said, the next time I went out into the office, Phil was sat there typing in just a lilac posing pouch. Lilac as well, to s- specify yeah, yeah. lilac. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, it, it goes, yeah. well what, brought, what, what made you decide to wear it to work? <laughs> No, it's not me. It's Mark. Uh, See, I think also that, saying he had no trousers. I on. think I think Clivert gave him those. I'll be honest with you. I think if Clivert would have, they would have been even more mini than I've got on. Actually, oh, then you're into thong, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. We're into going for a thong. Then, yeah, I think we call him Clivert Patrick to his friend. <laughs> Guys, let's start, let's uh, let remind people that we'll be doing uh, three hours across all of the big leagues, and we'll also. Um, be looking for, back at the an amazing Champions League, not just the final. I think the whole tournament's been amazing this year, and of course, looking forward to the World Cup. Every game live here on Talksport. Let's start in France then, and of course, uh, that meant um, we had. Uh, well, we, we will have it in a minute. Um, the headline for France uh, it, it reflects the question that I think caught the audience's attention more than any other in the football season that's just gone by, and the question is. Is Neymar a git, right? And um, we'll yeah, hear that course, later on, of course. Of course. Of course. And that takes us to Paris Saint-Germain, who um, restored their, their title, having... I mean, it's, it's, it, a lot of things that we're going to talk about are things that... It, they seem so distant now, but it's only, it's only nine months ago till they blew the world transfer market apart, paying £100 million for a teenager and br- doubling the world transfer record for another player who's hardly played for them. Talk to me about Paris Saint-Germain this season. Well, they, they were very entertaining. I mean, there's, there's no getting away from that. In the group stage of the Champions League, they scored loads of goals. In Liga, they were blowing teams away um, for much of the season and they easily ran away with the title. It's worth remembering that they didn't win Liga last season. That was Monaco. And it was that front three of Mbappe, Cavani and Neymar that seemed to have a brilliant understanding More goals the actually in Manchester City. I mean, I know they're playing in a, in a much less competitive league, but just statistically... More goals than Manchester City. And, and Neymar did win the, um, the the player of the season in France, despite playing only I think 20... it's in his contract, Mark. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. But he only played 20 games. He scored 19 goals. And for all the off-field stuff, and I, I think he, he certainly didn't cover himself in glory in terms of that, um, I thought on the pitch he did very well. Um, he, he was judged on one Champions League game against Real Madrid when it didn't work out for him. But... Um, I thought, actually, in terms of his performances on the pitch, um, he did what was expected of him. Is, would you accept the accusation, though, certainly levelled at John Terry if, if Aston Villa had been promoted? Um, he picked and chose these games a bit. That's not a team, that's not a team man, is it? No, he's not. Well, he's not a team man. The reason he went to Paris Saint-Germain is to win the uh, the Ballon d'Or, yeah, which is very much... Awards. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's what he wants to do. He wants to win individual awards. I mean, that's also levelled to some extent at Cristiano Ronaldo um, as well. But, I mean, it was off the pitch, really, that is Neymar a git, um, because he... Um, he he ran the dressing room, and, and Unai Emre has come out afterwards and said that, hasn't he? You know, and he, he was moaning about the video sessions. He was moaning about the fact that they um, didn't fly to enough away matches, and that they got the coach too often. Even when he was injured, 
Um, he was playing poker while they were winning the, the French title. And I think that gives the impression that he kind of, you know, he, he he's not a team player and he's not interested in yeah. Paris Saint-Germain. The, he's interested in Neymar. The, the, the indicators were there early with the, the famous penalty fight with exactly. Edison Cavani. Just remind people, because we need to remind people a lot of things. I want to say it was maybe his first home game or something that Neymar actually played in. Uh, Dedison Cavani got the ball to take a penalty and Neymar tried to wrestle it out of his hands and it's like this is the you have to show a little bit of respect to the existing order even if you think you're a better player which you are than Cavani and eventually Cavani, you won't end up scoring more goals than Cavani no absolutely not no. and uh, I think Cavani did get that penalty and take it and then there was a big political hoo-ha in the French media because Paris Saint-Germain is the leakiest club around that Neymar was annoyed and sure enough I think the next penalty uh, Neymar, he Neymar was on was that on and, free kicks, and, and free kicks and throw-ins and anything else. Like a nine-year-old. Well. Yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. I mean, the man, the man charged to uh, with dealing with all this is Unai Emery, of course. Um, and the, I mean, look, the, the ambition of that club and the slight dysfunction of that club was it demonstrated. I can't remember which game it was that they did badly. It was a Champions League game where the owner and the owner's henchman, there's another word for it, were waiting for him in the tunnel quite visibly waiting for him in the tunnel. He's got Neymar out on the pitch fighting over penalties. He's got the owners sharpening knives in front of him, you know, keeping him in a special pouch and in their belt. <laughs> well, a- any coach um, is going to struggle in that environment where one star player has got a direct hotline you know, to, to the owner. We've seen it. Do we seen it before in, in places, and it doesn't work? Does no, it? It, it doesn't. Um, and, and maybe that's why Unai Emery um, is better off out of that situation. Um, and I also think that it's not impossible, but it's very difficult when you put demands to win the Champions League because there are about 8, 10, maybe 12 teams in Europe that believe they've got a good chance of winning the Champions League. You, I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson only won it twice in his managerial career. Yeah. You cannot say... Um, you Barcelona can't define a with, with Lionel Messi have won it, what, twice with Messi? Or is it three times? Uh, yeah, they, they, they've, yeah, they've gone on a bit of a run lately yeah. in sort of the last 10 years, haven't they? But uh, even uh, before that... It, but you know, this is, this is my point about, you know, people saying... Uh, you know, I'm, it's a regular row I'm having on talks where oh X Y and Z club possibly one in Northland have got to win things to win the Champions League. You've got to overcome every powerful and rich football club in world yeah. football to win something in England. You're overcoming you've got to overcome ten of the top sixteen most powerful and financially wealthy clubs. In what you want to see is are they improving playing the football now? Perhaps their Champions League efforts, uh, you know, weren't, weren't enough. Anyway, Emery's gone. What do we make of Thomas Tuchel as a replacement? They haven't. They they they, they want to dine at the very top table of European football, but they don't seem to want to appoint a manager who's already done this. Stuff. I don't think they. Can, I don't think they. I think they're shopping in the managerial store below the absolute elite. And I think Boss the Tuchel like. the, the, the announcement like perfectly is perfect. <laughs> Tuchel yeah, is a perfect keep example. Up, yeah, keep so, up. The listeners are. I was, I was trying to focus on what I was going to say. So Tuchel, Tuchel's a little bit in the, the rudder below because Tuchel hasn't actually won much. He won the DFB, the German Cup, before he left Borussia Dortmund, his final act as Dortmund boss. Doesn't actually have that many accolades to his name. And I think Paris Saint-Germain have struggled... I mean, they wanted Pep at one point. They wanted Jose Mourinho at one point. They did have Carlo Ancelotti at one point, yes. and he got drawn away by Real Madrid. So, um, I think they just struggled to get the level of person that they they really desire. I, I, I do feel that Tuchel can get to that level. I think but he can. Yeah. The yeah. the reason he was sacked, or one of the main reasons he was sacked as Borussia Dortmund um, coach, was not because of his coaching abilities but because he was Thomas Tuchel and the person that he was and the people that he fell out with. And walking into the Paris Saint-Germain dressing room um, with the, 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 you know, the way that he wants 
um, to speak to people maybe and also to coach the team. His Dortmund team were a joy to watch when they pressed high. Unai Emre claims that he asked the Paris Saint-Germain players to do that and they uh, effectively no. refused to, to, um, to, to press in that way and said they wanted to play a much slower tempo. Now, will the players work around to Thomas Tuchel's ideas or will he have to um, rein in what he wants to do? And uh, I, I don't think if, if you suddenly take that away from Tuchel as a coach, a bit like with Jurgen Klopp, you take away the, the high press then uh, and that energy, you, you've effectively got nothing. And I think Paris Saint-Germain have got a big summer ahead because the midfield needs um, addressing. It's, if they not, want it's to. not quite what they need, is it? Let me ask you, do, do we believe Neymar will be there next year? I yeah, reckon so. I think so. I think, yeah, so. Okay. I think it's just too with the World Cup happening and everything, and obviously he's hoping to he will be there <laughs> if yeah. with one leg or not. Uh, I think it's just probably too complicated a summer. Like the, the deal to the, to move Neymar is like trying to change a country's borders. Yes. Like it's just such a massive deal. That's proving I, a very easy thing to do. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think that it would probably be another year. But sure, this week he was saying uh, on Brazilian TV, he was talking with the former Brazil international Alex saying. You know, I'd love to play with Pep Guardiola. I just, I was a year late for Pep at Barcelona, so I'd love to play for him one day and probably sowing a seed or just being a bit giddy as he can, as he can be. We'll talk more about Parfum when we get to Italy. Linked today with Paris Saint-Germain. Yes, I, yeah. I think the idea is for him to go in and be number two, um, almost an ambassador as well for the club. And it, it feels like at one stage they were looking for a superstar goalkeeper. Maybe it was Ob Black or Donnarumma. You know, they're really going to make a splash. Ariola was one of the kind of stars um, of the team, really. He never let anybody down all season. He's definitely got ahead now uh, of Kevin Trapp, no yeah. doubt about that. And that they just want somebody, I think, to guide Ariola. Um, you know, but Buffon, like he wants to win the champion. Like why stick around unless you want to win? Unless he's getting a deal that he's the Champions League he may, goalkeeper. Well, he may I mean, well be the Champions yeah. League keeper. You wouldn't necessarily rule that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, um, so sure. yeah, that'd be an interesting. Okay, one. well that, that, that's that's Paris Saint Germain. I think in a real we um we might get a chance to talk about Emery now that he's um, the all-conquering manager of Arsenal a little later on. Let me just say what your musical homework is. We're going to have three hours of music. Lots of chance for you to get your tunes on, on air tonight. Um, it's uh, songs with white in the title, bands with white in their name, and artists called white, or even if they're embedded in other bands, you know. Um, so that uh, it's, it's an all-white theme because of Real Madrid's hat-trick of well, four out of five, actually. It's a proper dynasty, isn't it? Despite them not being the greatest team I've ever seen. But there you are. Um, they found a way to win. Um, so songs with white in the title, uh, bands with white in their name, or artists embedded in bands called white. Um, uh, we'll get your, your request into 81089 or directly to me at Danny Kelly Words. We'll play some of those uh, very, very soon. And we've got through two polls for you tonight. First one will run for the, for the next hour and a quarter. So uh, up till half past uh, eight, and then we'll have another one between half past eight and ten o'clock. The first one is simply this. Two of the greats of the modern game um, have uh, finished their careers. Who is the bigger legend, Iniesta or Buffon? Iniesta or Buffon? Is that on TalkSport, that one? Yeah. If you go to at TalkSport on Twitter, uh, Desi, I'll be tweeting them out in just a second at Danny Kelly Words, also at Rob T. Daly and at Mark Langdon. Um, you'll have a chance uh, to vote in those. Um, who did you vote for? Are those? I, I voted for Buffon as the, as the bigger legend. I mean, Iniesta wasn't even the best Spanish player in the in that Barcelona midfield. So I went for Iniesta. Yeah, I went for Iniesta too. <laughs> I Why did you go for Iniesta? Because you've got Liter- trousers on. Liter- yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, exactly. The listeners agree, judging by the uh, the early sort of uh, results in. I a man in a budgie smuggler would vote for Buffon. I think. I think that's fair. <laughs> 
Um, listen, let, let's uh, let's continue with uh, France. I, I, I'd like to talk about Monaco um, because a year ago they were the, the sensation in the Champions League final. Um, then they had to get a whole new team when they, for better or worse, flogged. I mean, perhaps if you're a Chelsea fan, um, they flogged off the good bits and the how can I put it, promising, shall we say, bits of their team. Um, what, what have you made of Monaco's season? I, I think really impressive, actually. Uh, Champions League was a complete and utter disaster. They were shambolic compared to the team that reached the semi-finals the year before. Sorry, semi-final, beg your pardon. Uh, yeah. they, re- they, they sold Mendy, uh, Bernardo Silva, Bakayoko and Mbappe, who would, I would argue were four of their five best players last year, along with Falcao. And they still managed to finish second in Liga. Now, there was no league, there was no title race at all. They no. lost 7-1 in the game that won Paris Saint-Germain, the title to Paris Saint-Germain. But, you know, Falcao at 32, 18 goals in 20-something games, still firing them in. I think, actually, Leonardo Jardim is a sensational head coach. Yeah, I mean, I agree. that I think Jardim almost did a better job this year. Um, We'll go on to Julian Nagelsmann as well at Hoffenheim. We always go on to Julian (laughs) Nagelsmann. That's how we roll. You know, for for Jardim to take Monaco... Monaco have effectively won their league, really, because, you know, beating Paris Saint-Germain was... If not a miracle, it, it was certainly an amazing achievement. Perfect storm type thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah so, like... I mean, to, to lose all those players. And for somebody like Thomas Lamar, who was also a very influential player last season, to not hit the same heights, and yet as a team... Well, people were threatening to pay £70 million for Lamar a year ago. They wouldn't be doing not, that now, No, they, they wouldn't. I mean, you could even argue, I think, that somebody like Ronnie Lopez probably had a better season than him. And he, you know, he once of Manchester City and um, did well on, on loan at Lille as well. But um, I, I thought, thought it was a good effort for, from Monaco to finish second and to qualify a game for the Champions League I'm a bit surprised nobody came in for Jardim well, I'm going to ask you that question I mean uh, we, we all talked about this in the run in the run-up to the to this program in the run-up to the end of the European season um, which goes the climax is uh, first you have the Champions League final then you have the three-hour Trans-Europe Express that's how you know the European season has come to a proper end um, we, we talked about the managerial I can't use the word merry-go-round because I'll have to kill myself if you use it cliche let's call it a carousel <laughs> Um, and already, because of a mixture of the World Cup bearing down on us every game live here on Talk Sport, and the closing early of the transfer window in certain countries now, um, a lot of the business has been done. Um, Paris got a new manager, Arsenal got a new manager, Chelsea will get a new manager very soon, Dortmund have got a new manager, Bayern Munich got a new manager, and Jardim sits there and nobody goes after well, him. Well, you just thought actually that PSG is a logical. Uh, I mean, the move to Monaco to PSG does happen. You know, as in, it's not like uh, two big clubs that don't exchange players. No. We've seen Mbappe uh, effectively go on a permanent deal on loan this season. George Weah back in the day. And someone who guarantees you basically the league title, certainly with the players he'd have at his disposal there. Uh, and also then he'd, uh, he'd be able to get the best out of Kylian Mbappe again. I don't know if it was talked about. It probably was in the French press, but I don't really remember no, him I, I being there with PSG. Really, I mean, I, I'm surprised that Arsenal... Arsenal felt like a logical choice, really, yeah, completely. Um, for, from... For me, because he again, um, you know, he's somebody that just wants to coach the players at Monaco. Things are, you know, there's buying and selling going on above his head, and he, he just coaches um, the, the team. So I was a bit surprised maybe that Arsenal didn't go for him because if you think about it, the season before he's absolutely coached Emery out of the park, isn't he? By beating beating them to the league title. So um, I, I was surprised, and even Chelsea again, that felt like a, a potential move. He's football. Although Monaco played very well the season before, his football probably not as sexy as Sarri's, which is maybe yeah, yeah. counted against yeah. him. What about so many other teams who finished below those then? Marseille, um, uh, they reached the final of the Europa League where they were t- horrible. Um, based on, uh, of course, the uh, we know the the, the rule on, on this programme, just because you failed the Premier League doesn't make you a bad footballer. Mm. 
I guess I could have predicted that Payet would be one of the powers at Marseille, but I must say that uh, Tovin, a whole different ball game, absolutely re- revelation compared to what he was doing in England. No, he's been he's been he's been incredible, and uh, him uh, Payet have, have struck up a fantastic understanding up front for. Marseille ultimately though despite all these encouraging things about the fact they've played great football they've scored more goals than they have in any season since the 70s or something like that under Rudy Garcia they lost the Europa League final they didn't qualify for the Champions League they lost out on that on the final day and ironically losing to Atletico in the final meant that Leon in third get an automatic place in the group stage because of weird mm-hmm. wafery things so lots of encouraging things but ultimately, they've fallen short. On. I, you know, I was just encouraged to see the the Stad Velodrome fall and noisy for that Europa League yeah. run. Felt like the fans were kind of connected to the club again, and um, you know they are a really big club in, in France. And yes, the final um, didn't work out well for them. Unlucky to come up against a power like Atletico in the final of Europa League. I mean, they were just a Champions League team masquerading in in, in the Euro- yeah. Europa League. Now, Mark, I know the answer to this question before I ask it of you, but it's still we're talking about players who were. Where they, I used to be in the Premier League, but I'm still a good footballer. Um, how good is Memphis Depay? Uh, well, I, I have told uh, the listeners more than once. I think Memphis um, is capable of um, of special things, and I, I thought in the second half of the season he he was the reason. Best why... player in France in the yeah, second half of the season. I, I, and, and that includes uh, the PSG players. An I mean, unbelievable run, you know. And the hat trick on the final day to secure Champions League football, um, you know, against Nice was just a huge moment for Lyon. Even if they do have to sell Fekir or somebody like that. They've got a lot of good young to who? players. Liverpool, maybe? L- Liverpool definitely appear to be the front runners. I mean, there'd be arguments as to whether he's suited to the Liverpool um, style of play yeah. in the 4 3 3. But, I mean, I, if you have a look at that Liverpool bench last night when they were behind, he's looking there. He's got Solanke and Ings. I mean, they need numbers up front. So um, I think Fekir could play he, the Firmino he, role. He said as well that. I've not done a deal with Liverpool because he was in a press conference. I don't know with the France team or something today, but he said I'm not. It's nothing. St- I'm talking to a lot of clubs, and I think I don't know if this is going to get done soon. But he said that Fakir said that he would sort of let Jean-Michel Oulas, the president of Lyon, know what he's what he's up to. But ultimately, they've had four players chip in with Fakir got 23, Memphis Depay got 22, Mariano got 21, and Bertrand Traore, who they got from Chelsea, of course, got 18. So it's a good spread fun of goals. To watch, Great Leon. fun, yeah. Mariano, another one that might be on the move. Well, there's talk of him going back to Real Madrid, isn't there? There is. Yeah, they've got a very cheap buyback clause. So even if they bought him back and then sold him on, um, yeah. a, a sort of a la Morata. They already run things in Europe or in Madrid. Now they've got this little scam going. I hate, <laughs> I hate buybacks. <laughs> yeah, say it, I, hate, say I hate buybacks because what it does is, if you're a club and you agree to a buyback, it just establishes the current order of things. Like, yeah. you can never... Ease, be easy in having a player at all because you know that they, the second they become good, Real Madrid will sign him back. Like yeah. Morata, they got back for 27 million and sold him for 80. And it just keeps everything exactly as it is. I know clubs think I'm getting a great deal. I'll get ten million extra. You're for him, getting a great deal until the moment you turn him into a really good player, exactly. and then the deal got turned sour. Exactly, it? but it's probably slightly better than a loan deal where you you don't get any of that um, sort of transfer fee, do you? So I mean, there there are. Um, I think for Leon, I think they'll be happy if Real Madrid are interested because it means they've done a good job Probably, in, yeah. in developing him and um, sort of shows a path for other players as well. Yet another player wearing as I, I used to play in the Premier League, but I'm still a good player, Mario Balotelli, who, hashtag Forza Mario, has forced his way, thanks to this programme and this programme <laughs> alone, back into the Italian 
national well, squad. Well, we were doing it for the World Cup, weren't we? Yeah, but they and didn't qualify. That's, they didn't qualify. It's not, not happened. But, I mean, it's yeah. a start. They, it'll help them get into the next Euros. Um, father's gone, of course, uh, to help me. Uh, Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund. Dortmund. Yeah. Um, Patrick Vieira seems to be the, the favourite to go in there. Is that, is that a real thing? He's, he's also, I think he's said in the last, because the, the reports in France were, it's done, Patrick Vieira is the new manager of Nice. So, who but was he's, the last manager to move successfully from the, from the American Soccer League uh, into Europe? Yeah, I mean, Bob Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bob Bradley had, had been in Europe uh, previously. Yeah. I mean, I think Vieira is somebody that the, the city organisation don't want to lose. Um, but if they're not going to give him a pathway to Europe, then you know, he's yeah, not exactly. going to replace Pep, is Well, it? they're not really going to lose him. If, if, if he does well in France, he can be gathered back in, can't yes, he? Yes, he, he can. I, I think it's a logical step for him, actually. I think it'd be a good step. And one more club I want to mention in France, um, only because of the chaos surrounding what was one of my favourite coaches and a coach that influences a whole generation of other coaches, uh, Marcelo Bielsa. Lille, what, what a fantastic load of nonsense they've done this year. <laughs> Well, it was amazing that they stayed up because it looked like they were being relegated. One free of the, uh, on the spin late on. But, yeah, I mean, Bielsa nearly uh, financially crippled the club and nearly ruined them. So for all the coaches absolutely love him, um, his methods at Lille went spectacularly wrong. And I, I don't see him ever returning. To it's a complete, it's a complete liability now, isn't it? Yeah, really I, think, is, I think you're better off going for one of his disciples, aren't you, rather than uh, yeah, Pep, the Pep, man himself. Yeah, Pep says he's the, he's the best, no. although Pep says a lot of things. He, yeah. he does, he does. He's and, cute with his words. As, since everybody now has to be reduced to a single phoneme Potch also thinks he's the governor doesn't he as well <laughs> Arteta is also Arteta maybe Mickey Mickey get on Mick he apparently is also um, a big follower of Bielsa's ways and yeah, I think you can take some of what Bielsa does but giving him the whole keys to the kingdom is very risky What's your, who was your star of the year in France and your moment of the year my star was Tovan, 22 goals and helped, you know... Poor Newcastle fans, put your fingers in your ears for this <laughs> uh, bit. M- m- the moment uh, has to be uh, Tony Chaperon, the, uh, the, the referee. He was my star of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's he done? Remind well, he, me. He, he tripped up the Diego Carlos, didn't he, the, the Nantes player, so, so yeah. sorry about that. Who uh, caught him by accident, and then as, as he was running past the referee, he didn't realise he'd been caught by accident, so just booted him <laughs> yeah, and did. got a three-month ban, and he was supposed to win referee of the year, he didn't go to the ceremony or something, no. and uh, apparently he's going to retire. So um, That's your that's star. No, nah, I'll, yeah. I'll give I'll give it to Memphis Depay. Actually, he yeah. he was outstanding. Uh, and also, it's worth mentioning if we're speaking about people kicking people, we've got to go back to Patrice Evra uh, for Marseille booting a fan in the Europa League <laughs> and getting himself sacked. So he's in Vegas at the moment. Patrice Evra is he? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been, really been, released, he's been released by West Ham, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he and Paddy are going out there very very soon. <laughs> uh, obviously, for me, um, Evra's uh, Evra's Monday morning vid- videos have been the star. Oh of yeah, of course, of course. When he sings soul hits of the sixties and seventies with tremendous enthusiasm, often wearing just a lilac posing pouch. <laughs> Is Neymar a git? White is the theme of our music homework tonight. Bands called with white in their title. Artists who've got called white. Groups with white in among their members. And bands, sorry, songs with white in the title. Celebrating Real Madrid's hat-trick of titles. This, of course, is the average white band and cut the cake. I don't, I mean, often we have arguments here on trans Express. I'm prepared to say it's the funkiest band ever to come out of Dundee. Your request, please, at 8.10.89, Danny Kelly Words. 
Okay, now we're moving on to a few of what's happened in Spain this year. We'll talk about the Champions League a little later in the program. Our headline is Adios Andres, um, because of course one. Well, I think uh, actually two great players that Spain have retired. Obviously Fernando Torres as well, but um, Iniesta is a stellar, stellar name in the game, which should help help us talk about Barcelona. A funny old season in many ways. Um, worthy winners of the of La Liga. Um, didn't make any impression again in the Champions League and ended up playing 4-4-2. I mean, these are not things you could have predicted at the start of the season. No, it seemed like the season was going to be a disaster because Neymar had left at the start of August. Um, they just lost the... Then they lost the domestic Super Cup to Real Madrid in humiliating fashion. Remind people, what was the score? 5-1 on that Yeah, 5-1, yeah. yeah. And uh, Gerard Piquet said for the first time, we feel in- inferior to Real Madrid, which is not an easy thing for him to say. Uh, and then, um, obviously, they signed Usman Dembele for what was the second highest transfer fee of all time. He gets injured straight away, and they still find a way through. And really, it was because of Lionel Messi. I mean, the the, the first yeah. ten weeks after that, more than any other year, this is the year they've really it, leaned on this. Completely the word ridiculous. genius doesn't. It? The word genius is a pathetic attempt to encapsulate what this fella can do. And if we sometimes worry about um, Neymar. And Cristiano Ronaldo not being a team player. I mean, Messi is just, it's almost ludicrous how much he can sub- subvert his own individual genius um, to, to, be, to be a team player. Oh, he, he absolutely was because they were a team that just relied on moments, really. It was like PK and MTT played a very solid um, centre-back Busquets, game. Busquets, Busquets Paulinho game, yeah. had, had his moments in, in the, the midfield. genius is Paulinho, yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned that 4-4-2. I, I think the fact that Barcelona... Um, got 93 points, not playing well, summed up the Spanish season. I know they've won uh, the Europa League and the Champions League, but it was quite a dull La Liga campaign because Barcelona had won the league very early on. Um, you know, and then, of course, they had the opportunity to become the first invincibles in Spanish football history sort of in, in the modern era and um, in terms of when they've actually had a full league campaign. And that they, they fell at the... The thirty seventh hurdle um, in ridiculous circumstances, losing five four um, to Levante. I'm quite pleased because I don't think they deserved that accolade. They're um, not. They're not the greatest Barcelona team, even. Never mind the great no, Spanish team. No, are they? so um, it's weird season because you think on the they've won the double. They've got ninety three points. They went thirty six matches unbeaten. You feel like everything's going well for Barcelona, and yet they'll be watching Madrid's players on the top of well, that especially. bus this afternoon, and there'll be and there'll be people in the in the in the hierarchy at the new Camp going, "Are we actually focusing on the wrong thing now?" Well, and, uh, and Nesta Valverde was heavily criticised after the shambolic defeat to Roma, um, and I, I do feel like their their squad needs surgery. Suarez and Messi both in their thirties now. Um, Coutinho obviously becomes one of the stars next season, but they've leaned on Iniesta for such a uh, a long period of time that not being able to call upon him for 45 minutes or 60 minutes could be an issue for them next season. Yeah, I mean, he, he was still, make no mistake, I mean, Xavi took quite a backseat role at the back end of his Barcelona career, but Iniesta was still so, so important. I think of the Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge where that loose pass, he's the one who picks it up and makes things happen. I think it's just been an unusual year. I mean, we've had all the Catalan independent stuff around the football club as well. It's just been a bizarre one. I actually think he deserves credit. It hasn't been flashy from Ernesto Valverde. He's been assured of his job for next year, but he got he got the, the what they needed to do, which was to get the title back from Real Madrid. Um, it, if they get Griezmann, will they be back to three up front and uh, or you know 
the kind of attack with Coutinho behind them, the kind of a sort of attacking powerhouse yeah. of the past. Absolutely, yeah. And Will you, they get Griezmann? Well, I mean, that depends which paper you read because Griezmann apparently... What about the one you write for? Well, from what I understand, Griezmann has told Atletico Madrid players he's staying and the Barcelona um, sort of power brokers that he's going. So yeah. um, you can read into that what you will. I I tend to think that if Barcelona push hard enough that they, they could probably get Griezmann. Yes, yeah, I'm amazed that they have all this money available to them and not... Um, contravene financial fair play a little bit. I know they've got loads of money for Neymar, just a flat check of the money. Yeah. Um, but the, the the issue, there's an issue with Griezmann at the moment because he played, he told the players apparently in his final game, I'm staying, he played, then he was getting booed by a minority of supporters. The message went down to the dugout that Griezmann's upset. Diego Godin goes to the fans and says he's staying, he's staying, then the whole stadium starts singing his name. Just absolute something like a script from Dream Team, you know. And oh, I, I, did you used to watch Dream Team? <laughs> of course. I of love course. Dream it was Team. Fantastic. It's fantastic. They rerun it now. It's hilarious. The only, the only football drama that ever really, maybe Murphy's Mob on children's TV, <laughs> that ever got near to what real football is like. Yeah, it was uh, just, it was like comical, this thing. And uh, and then the the thing was then after the game that Griezmann was now going to change his mind because that he got booed. So, I mean, who knows? I I, I want to see him in a more attacking, expansive team. I just want to see that uh, from a selfish point of view because I think, you know, it, it, he's very good. All-round game under Simeone, he's perfect, but I want to see him. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not sure he's absolutely suited to Barcelona, though, because where does he play in, in that team? Are you going to push Luis Suarez out? or um, Because I don't... Suarez, Messi and Griezmann doesn't feel like a, a front three where somebody who automatically wants to go wide. You've got Dembele that you've invested so much money in and Coutinho as well. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it feels um, like maybe one too many at this stage, but obviously there is going to come a point where um, maybe Suarez, uh, more than Messi, but will need replacing. Uh, and the, the, the Iniesta-Xavi axis, there's no point in trying to replace that light with light. There aren't two players like that in the world. You know That generation that came out of... Um, you know the, the the training courses at Barcelona. You, they're gonna have to find another way to make goals, aren't they? They they are, and Coutinho maybe becomes that one. He, he finished the season very strongly. Um, I feel like the one that they let go was Thiago Alcantara, who um, when he's yeah. fit does very well for Bayern Munich. Um, maybe you know they should have fought harder to keep him, but he he's had his fitness uh, problems. And they can't get him back because the second he makes any kind of noise at Bayern, he'll be off to Manchester City, won't well, he? Yeah, well, I mean, there is a you know Pep does um, love him. him yeah, yeah, he does love him. He so. goes yeah. mm. <laughs> when he sees him, he goes. <laughs> Like that, but oh. I mean, uh, you know, uh, let's go right in the headphones. <laughs> well, better than your laugh. <laughs> That's true. There you go. Oh, no, <laughs> uh, no, not better than my laugh. I mean, Atletico just did atle- what Atletico do, don't they? I mean, yeah, they are. To them, yeah. They are what they are. They won the Europa League, but it was. Um, it's a bit of a grind watching them. Um, it's uh, no, it's no fun, is it? Really, no. like, unless you, you know, there is there is something to be to for, if you love football to watch a team make so few defensive errors. And the difference I would say between them and let's say, here we go, get ready for your Twitter abuse. It's at Danny Kelly words. The difference between them and Manchester United is that both teams fall back and defend their goal. But the second you make an error, lose the ball in a bad place against Atletico, they come at you like a snake. They're like a viper. They go, they, they strike. 
Whereas you know, other defensive teams then turn the ball and they internally have to get it forward. There is something beautiful about what they do. I mean, they go down and Jimenez, of course, are just an extraordinary pair of centre-backs. They never, ever make a mistake. It does give you a huge chance. And I'm looking forward to the World Cup. There's only every game live here on TalkSport. When there's those two at one end and Cavani and Luis Suarez at the other end, if the other six outfield players for... Uruguay can buy into the project. I wouldn't yeah. want to play Uruguay at any stage of that tournament. I mean it. No, and, and Diego Costa's arrival in January uh, certainly, I think, perked Griezmann up because he he he's had to do a lot of work, you know, almost on his own. Gomero out of favour. Torres, um, you know, not as good as he once was. So um, I, I think Griezmann was happy to see Diego Costa. They were running on a squad of about thirteen or fourteen players at the end of the campaign, and they did finish above Real Madrid. I know Real Madrid had uh, bigger things to worry about at the end, but. Still, some achievement. They, they right? scored. Oh, Atletico scored fifty-eight goals, right, in the league. Uh, Barcelona scored ninety-nine, and Real Madrid scored ninety-four. Yeah, I made this point, but that, that, that's that, uh, the other day. But that is a, a, a in the modern world where we we're obsessed with with goals and attacking. And so that is still to finish second in the league with that number of goals. They turn every goal that their two attacking players get into points, and that's a great thing in itself. Here's an issue. What they've done so brilliantly over the years is to replace one centre-forward with another with another. Now, sometimes they go and buy the one they used to have, um, in the case <laughs> yeah, of Torres yeah, yeah, and Diego yeah. Costa. But if they get $100 million, whatever the buyout is uh, for our friend uh, Griezmann, where do you go and get another forward? I mean, everyone's scouting is so precise these days. Where would they get a replacement? I, I actually think, I wonder if they were banking on getting Lacazette because Lacazette was supposed to come last summer mm-hmm. and then uh, Atletico's transfer registration ban was upheld and then the, all the pl- plans changed and Lacazette went to Arsenal. And then maybe they were thinking, well, if Arsenal have signed Aubameyang, we can take Lacazette. But then we've seen at the end of the season that both players have been used up front. So I don't, I don't quite know. He's clearly a player that Simeone... Um, likes have got Vieto who's been out on loan this season but Simeone hasn't really taken to him I think somebody like Rodrigo um, that's done so well at Valencia would be the kind of forward that they go for he's all action he's in the Spanish squad Um, I think there's probably still a little bit of scope there for him to improve he may be somebody because they they do like to kind of shop in um, in terms of taking some of the the best players from the uh, the teams with with uh, smaller budgets in Spain, mm-hmm. they've just got Rodri from Villarreal, for instance. Um, you know, so that may be an angle yeah. that they look at. And South America, they're very good at scouting South American players. They've had Falcao, they've had Aguero, so maybe it could be somebody like that we don't really know yeah, too yeah. much about. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll, we'll speak about the aforementioned Valencia, and of course, uh, what's the other team in Spain called Real something other? We'll have a word about Real Madrid, of course. Uh, Four European Champions Leagues in five years. I'm going to talk about that a little later in the programme as well. You're listening to the Trans-Europe Express here on TalkSport. Me, Danny Kelly, Rob Daly, Mark Langdon. And we're very glad to have you along for what is a three-hour ride tonight. I'm transported back to the youth club in Eden Grove. T-Rex and Rider White Swan, which seemed to be played in the youth club every time for about six months. 
I would have been wearing two-tone tonic mohair trousers. Unlike one of my guests tonight, is wearing no trousers. Welcome back to Trans Europe Express, our musical. It's complicated tonight. Songs with white in the title, like this, Ride a White Swan by T-Rex. Artists call white, band members call white, or bands with white in their name as well. Your request to 81089 to Danny Kelly Words. We continue to celebrate the hat-trick of Champions League wins for the Whites themselves, Real Madrid. And in the award-winning way of this show, why don't we discuss Real Madrid now? Oh, yeah, everybody. Oh, Radio Gold, Radio Gold. I mean, they've won the Champions League again. They finished third in Spain and they were rubbish for the first half of the season. What was going on there? I, I think they were... Um pretty averagely coached um, in terms of motivation, um, in terms of set-up. Cristiano Ronaldo was missing a lot of chances, which is Four unlike. goals up to November, I think. Uh, yeah, that, that's unlike... Because what Real Madrid you know, are so good at is just producing brilliance from absolutely nowhere. And, um, you know, they don't rely necessarily on a team ethic. It's just individuals. And when your best individual is having an off couple of months, then that becomes uh, very difficult um, for them. But I, I do think that they hold the Champions League in higher regard maybe than La Liga. And ultimately, it's about peaking yeah. at the second half of the season. I remember when they, they lost 3-0 at home to Barcelona back in late December. And I was going through some of the newspaper headlines from the time. And it was all Zidane clinging on for his job and all this stuff. Because it was completely disastrous despite the success at the club world cup also that month i think i think there was i think there was complacency about real madrid in the first half of the season they still kept dropping points after christmas it wasn't like after christmas they've gone on this fabulous run and won the champions league they were still flawed i mean one of the reasons why i think there might be there and you can tell me no doubt that they've spent millions on reserves that i don't know about is it's the same team for the last well, it is years. the same team. They yeah. just don't buy any new players. They, they signed Teo Hernandez as a new left back, who they didn't who play he? at all. Danny Rose is looking him up on Google. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they had uh, Danny Sabias, who was probably the star of the Under Twenty One Championships. To some of what everyone wanted him, they signed him, didn't give him a, a kick. Um, so very, very unusual. I, you wonder if this is the summer we've been. We've had the transfer ban for Real Madrid as well, much like Atletico. Is this the summer when they start going big again? Because I can't think. Can you think of like Real Madrid's last like mega mega signing? No, I no. Think. I mean, it, it haven't really gone down that Galactico route um, for a while now. I mean, James Rodriguez was the best player at the last World Cup, and then they and they spent a ton of money on they, him. They yeah. bought him, didn't necessarily need him, um, and, and now he's now he's at Bayern Munich. I, interesting because when we were talking about why they were doing so poorly, um, sort of in that first half of the season, we were mentioning the fact that they'd lost Pepe and Alvaro Morata, and actually their squad depth which had been so important for them, um, had, had disappeared somewhat. And then, of course, um, in the Champions League final, somebody off the bench ends up being their match winner. I still think they, uh, in certain positions, they've got an unbelievable strength. I mean, well, it, they're bringing through their, you know, Asensio, Asensio and, um, would get into Nacho, most Vasquez. Teams. They're yeah. bringing through the youth at the moment. I um, mean, you can see, but they, it is, it's not surprising if, if they start the season in kind of um, buffing their nails mode. Because well, when you've just won the, the league in the Champions League It's the same again. bunch, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it is. It's a World Cup, though, so you feel like Real Madrid are a team that will react to the World Cup, and whoever, and we don't know who that will be, whoever the best player is or the best available player, if it's Eden Hazard as a stunning tournament for Belgium, they'll try to buy him. If Harry Lewandowski. <laughs> Yeah, may, may, maybe, um, maybe somebody else. That. Maybe another Harry, um, Danny. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. 
That's what Lewandowski's for. <laughs> he's my human shield. And he's, he's changed agents so he can go to, to, to Real Madrid, hasn't he? Yeah, he has changed agents. Um, yeah. I mean, let's, let's be fair. Gareth Bale yesterday, um, he had a day that most of us would like to have at work. Not me, of course. I respect the management here tremendously. Um, but he comes on. He scores the greatest goal in the, in the history of football. Then he gets another goal to ensure that they win the title. And then he comes out and just says, you know what? This club is treating me like, like, like dog dirt. And I'll, I won't stay there unless I get looked after properly. That press conference was, was, was astonishing. It's after. pretty good for him. I mean, he, he doesn't really say anything controversial ever. He's very like almost Andy Murray media manager, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, when he said, you know, I was very disappointed to start a well, not Russell start the final. Well, he's no Russell Brand, is he? He's not, he's not. And he was saying, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to assess my future, but I'm just going to enjoy the moment now. But I am thinking about, you know, leaving potentially. So um, I, I I think it all comes why, back to the fact my you story can't... again, why would they let Gareth Bale go Real Madrid? They've got it, three players, uh, important players in, Cristiano Ronaldo, um, Modric... One other, well, in, getting well into their thirties now. Why would they let him go? You can't, you can't rely on him. Not in terms of when he plays. When he plays, he scored. He got sixteen goals this season in the league. One of the top scorers. But uh, up to November twenty seventeen, he'd had something like eleven injuries over his whole time at Real Madrid. He says so you since can't... Christmas, he's been as butch as a fit as dog. Did he use that? Was that his exactly phrase? He used that. Exactly used that. I, I, I think that it's just a case of. You know they feel they can get a better uh, alternative in, and w- whether they're right or That's not. That's Nazard, is it? Um, maybe. I, I certainly think there'll be a, a push towards somebody um, like that. Um, or Salah had Salah. Well, we yeah. don't know what's happening with Salah yet. Uh, yeah, but if you'd had a great there, World there Cup, there will or... be a push, I think, for this Galactico type um, player. And um, I, if, if you think that Gareth Bale's unlucky, what about Kaylon Navas? Won the last three Champions League, could be getting biffed every single transfer window. They are linked with yeah. another goalkeeper. Yeah. And he, he very rarely makes a mistake. <laughs> he's, he's absolutely fantastic for them. And again, you wouldn't be surprised if they tried to buy a goalkeeper. Oh, I'm... Um, Absolutely certain to, you know. They, they were linked with Kepa, the, the young Spanish goalkeeper. All that's kept poor yeah. old Kalor in the goal there to, to gather up his medals and his vast pay is the fact that they cannot seem to prize David De Gea out of Manchester United. Yeah, no, so. so maybe they'll have to go for a Courtois um, again who won't sign a new contract at the moment at, at Chelsea. So um, that could be an area that Real oh, Madrid They can play, I want Champions League football card, couldn't they? He, he, he like all be. those numpty footballers. Very quick word on, on Valencia. Last season, we spent the whole season mocking them, um, poking fun at them, pointing, hitting them with, pointed, with pointed sticks. I remember that pointed stick. Yeah. That was pretty good. But they, we've had fun with them. That was and they've, they've spoiled everything by, by really turning it around they, this they've season. They've finished fourth comfortably in the Champions League, 12 points inside. Uh, Marcelino really coming in as, as the manager sorted it all out. And I think, you know... For a club that's had a high turnover of personnel and managers, he sorted everything out. A player, with, a manager with great La Liga experience, and then they also said the loan players they signed completely work because, I mean, sometimes loan loan players can you know phone it in a little bit. Jeffrey Condogbia, who was superb from Inter, has just signed a permanent deal. Gonzalo Guedes, who was more effective in the first half of the season, I don't know if they're going to try and sign him. I, th- I mean, they will try to, but he's he's very expensive um, because of his form in in that first part of the season and you know they've benefited from Neymar going to Paris um, and, and Guedes had just had nowhere to go. I think really. another loan would, would even make sense for PSG just to see how he does and then maybe bring him back after that. I start with him in France, I'll start with you now uh, Rob, your moment and star of the season. In I, the I am going to go with a 5-4 win for Levante against Barcelona, it was just Incredible. ridiculous drama Felipe Coutinho scoring a hat-trick uh, penalties, everything stop and to, and to stop the run. Season, yeah. uh, um, 
I was going to go Messi, but I'll go a bit more clever, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Iago Aspas because he scored 22 goals for Celta Vigo this season. He keeps on delivering for them, and uh, he's off to the World Cup and uh, has just been brilliant since returning to Spain and from that, Liverpool. Thank you, and that leaves space for you to make Paulinho your star of the season. <laughs> no, I'm going to keep it simple with Messi. Just thought he was the outstanding player in terms of moment. Uh, I thought Real Betis and the football they played under um, Setien was some of the best in Spain. Real thrill to see a big club like Betis back in Europe playing football that you want to watch. Can I make a quick mention on that? Yeah. On Mark Bart- Bartra, who um, was at Borussia Dortmund yeah. in the in the uh, bus attack, of course, for Dortmund last year, didn't regain his form, went to Betis in January, mm. completely clean slate, and has been absolutely superb for Betis. Uh, my my star and moment is the uh, the carry on with Montella, um, just brilliant. Oh, uh, you have not mentioned uh, that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll we'll, we'll, come, we'll do Italy next, uh, and maybe we'll oh, come, okay, we'll, yeah. we'll backtrack beep 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 <laughs> into Montella. You're listening to the Trans Europe <laughs> Express season roundup. I'm Danny Kelly, but the people who are making this thing really fly are Rob Daly and Mark Langdon. We're glad that you're listening to us as well on DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM Trans Euro Express end of season review with Danny Kelly. Mark Langdon and Rob Daly on Talk Sport. Yeah, welcome back to the second hour of three of this specially extended Trans Europe Express review of the season. I'm Danny Kelly. With me tonight, two of our top European football experts, Rob Daly. Um, who, we'll work out what the lads will be doing during the World Cup. Rob's got an amazing gig involving a company that may or may not exist. Um, and Mark you Langdon... You're going to be sacked before we started. <laughs> well, you're not going to get paid anyway, before I understand that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mark Langdon's book um, about the World Cup and the, all the players and the teams is the only book you'll need. What's it called, Mark? Uh, the the uh, World Cup Guide. Yeah. Uh, by Mark Langdon. Go and buy it on Amazon. It genuinely is absolutely fantastic. And unlike Daly, I suspect he is getting paid for his work. <laughs> Not Over- enough. Can I point out, Mike, when we had the, the Trans Europe Express dinner, I was promised a copy. Oh, yes. what's happened? Oh, You'd had a few beers. I'd had a few. Yeah, yeah. You were there, are no, there are no free copies. Don't you worry <laughs> about that. They're, they're, I can I can sort that out, Rob. Thank you, thank you. I've brought sweets. I hope. Yeah, you know, this is Trans Europe Express, and during the next hour, we're going to talk uh, as best we can um, about Italy and Germany. Um, Rob, in case I do get you sacked, you are doing World Cup work with a highly reputable betting company. Based in a oh, country. No, but now you sound sarcastic. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be serious. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna be good. I'm gonna be. Yeah, I'm gonna be working virtual, in Estonia. Is it virtual money, is it? No, it. No, it's not virtual money. It's cryptocurrency. <laughs> that, betting. Uh, so, uh, I'm, well, I'm, I know we're not not supposed to talk about it, but <laughs> when you hear the word cryptocurrency. Uh, and a man and man t- telling you he's going to get paid in cryptocurrency. I no, think you're talking about be, it. They'll pay me in sterling. They'll yeah. pay me in sterling. I think. Okay, good. I'm yeah. No, yeah. Okay. Right. Thank you. I won't go, I won't go <laughs> any further. Um, the headline for for Italy, um, purely because it's a good headline, it doesn't really reflect what happened in Italy this season. Is who's sorry now? Um, because it, that would have made more sense if um, Napoli had done what they threatened to do for so long during the season, and what they actually may help to make this a proper league this year. And won the title, but once again, uh, Mark Langdon, whose book is real and not virtual and not crypto, um, uh, 
they uh, another another double for for Juventus. It was um, at least we had a title race in in terms of Europe's major Full credit leagues. to Naples there. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, obviously they're, they're very disappointed um, that it ended four points short. Um, but Napoli, the first team ever to get over ninety points and not win the title. So um, it was same old, same old from Juventus. Who? Let me just say because they actually did spend a few hours to, uh, when we were doing this. Um, over the last 20 years, the points gap in the five big leagues, England, Spain, France, Germany, um, and Italy, the points gap between the first and second is the biggest it's ever been. And if it wasn't for, if Juventus had got the usual 15 points, lead, it would have been unbelievable. Teams are dominating our leagues now, for a year, at least for a year at a time. There's two reasons. One is Champions League going uh, money going to the same clubs year after year, and that uh, bringing the best players. And also we've got... Um, sort of super owners in in a lot of these clubs now, where um, they've just got so much more money, um, and, and you know that, that's why I think Napoli's effort w- was so commendable because Absolutely. budget wise they're not even as big as the two Milan clubs and and you know Roma and, and teams like that. So they they, they did remarkably well um, in, in some respects, but Juventus. Um, despite not playing particularly well at times, despite the midfield not functioning most of the time, they just found a way um, to not only win the league but also do the double. And I, I think there was a couple of moments really that did it. Um, Dybala's 90th minute winner at Lazio when Juventus had barely had a shot and then won it with virtually the last kick. And then uh, the comeback win at San Siro against Inter. 2-1 down, looked for all the world like Napoli were going to uh, go into the game at Florence the next day with an opportunity to go top, and they scored two goals right at the death. Apparently uh, the whole team watched, apparently the whole Napoli team watched that in the hotel together, and it was just an absolute crippler. Well, I think yeah, Sari yeah. said afterwards we lost the title in the hotel. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah, that is the quote, um, yeah. which is quite remarkable. Well, where, um, where, where do you, where are you, Ventus, now? Because one of the issues, if you are one of those, we're talking about Paris Saint-Germain, Bayern Munich, uh, Juventus. Um, we may end up talking about Manchester City in this in this phrase, uh, this phase. When you dominate your local league, um, it's very hard to work out where the team is. That you know they're champions. They won the, the the FA Cup. That that's fantastic. But they're not the they're not the this isn't the best Juventus. It's not team how there. well. It's not how that category of teams you were talking about. There. That's not how success is defined anymore. It's not like on the the streets of Turin they're going to be dancing for the next three months. The the title is in their heads now, you know, seventh in a row, right? That it's just yeah. a, it's just a given for them. Yep. And it's whether you how far you go in the Champions League, whether you win the Champions League, really, that's going to be the issue for Tuchel at PSG. It's going to be the issue for Nika Kovac at Bayern next season. And you know, this but, is but, but you know, not everyone, as Mark has made the point, not everyone can win the Champions League. So it doesn't matter. It's yeah, I know that, but, yeah. but I want to know where this Juventus team is. They're losing Buffon. Does that really matter? Is he is it is he is he the Raven flying from the Tower. I think um, you know, Chesney when he played, Ooh, he didn't, yeah, you didn't notice a, there was no drop off in in standards. Really, I mean, you could maybe even argue over the last eighteen months he's been at least the equal of Buffon, if not uh, better. I mean, Juventus have already got Caldara, one of the best sort of younger players. He was at Atalanta centre back to you know to kind of get this regeneration going. They need to invest in in the midfield area. Emre Chan sounds like he could be one that's on his way, but they need, I think somebody better than that to really to take over that Pogba hole that that, that hasn't been um, properly filled. Milenkovic Savic from Lazio exactly. would be the um, the obvious candidate there. Um, wow, we, I, you said something that was in my mind. That's never happened before in the show. <laughs> but wow. if, you, if you have a look at the quality they've lost in that position, Vidal, Pirlo, Pogba, very difficult players to replace. And they've done it 
almost on the cheap. Um, yes. I think it's fair to say um, they would say shrewdly in that position. They spent a lot of money on Higuain, um, and 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 so uh, and Douglas Costa adds something to them going forward. I don't think they need to do too much to that part of their team. But midfield is where a, a team really usually functions. And I think even against Tottenham, they were found wanting in that position, even though they came through in the tie. Which leaves us with, with with Napoli, who you're right, you're right to say deserve tremendous credit for what they've done. Um, can they build on that, or does the departure of Sari, we assume for Chelsea, mean that they uh, My, is it high water mark? I think I think I think this era of Napoli might be over, not in terms of challenging, but I think is in the the players because a lot of the star players they have have low buyouts, right? So even someone Give like some Dries Mert- yeah. Mertens, um, uh, this Hamshik has said that he might be leaving as well this summer. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mertens is one that's got a cheap buyout. I mean, there's talk of China for him. Jorginho uh, hasn't got a buyout, but sounds like Man City or maybe Chelsea, if sorry, goes there. 60 million would be enough yeah, for yeah. him. Kula Bali at centre-back. Yeah, I mean... Reina's going. Reina's going to Milan. All, Pepe Reina's already signed for them. I, I, I sorry, think, for who? Sorry, Milan. Uh, yeah, for yeah, Milan. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, um, I, I I think this era is definitely over. Uh, I think if you're Napoli, is where you look at this season and you go, we were absolutely fantastic. There was no bottle job. There was no we lost the title. You look at the rest of the teams around you go, could none of you do us a, a favour? Yeah. Could none of you take points off Juventus? Because Napoli finished with 91 points, 14 above Roma. That wins you the league probably most seasons in Syria. I haven't crunched the numbers, but it probably does. And you just look at it and go, how is it? Because Napoli won at Juve, of course, towards the back end of the season, that late goal from Koulibaly. The, the actual answer to your question is that, 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 that no team has ever got as many points and not been champions. Is that right? Oh, brilliant. Okay, so, it's so, the highest number of points the runners have ever got. I think, I think that they must be looking down the table going, come on, Roma, you got to the quarterfinals, to the Champions League, or semifinals of the Champions League. But no one, no one really could offer Juve because I think the only teams to do it was Samp, Inter, and then and then Napoli at Juve. I think a lot of teams in Italy are already beaten before they play yep, Juventus. Completely, um, and that's a that's part of the domination, isn't it? And we we had it to some extent in the Premier League at a time when Manchester United had their kind of you know the team teams were beaten up before well, they turned well, up. Let's be fair, we've had it this season as well when the, when the sky blue yeah, of Manchester yeah, City yeah, appears on in the tunnel. Uh, of course, but I, I think Juventus have been so dominant for yes. so long that that does just uh, it, it, and you go back to that game against like Lazio when they scored in the 90th minute you feel it's coming even when Juventus are not playing well and they don't look like they're going to score but you do totally feels... get Rob's point Italian football used to be based on what even if you were the inferior group of players you stayed in the game you made a competition of it nobody nobody could could find a way to uh, I, I, it... I mean I'm, I'm the two Milan clubs we'll talk about them next uh, in a different ways they, they drive me mad at the moment because you know they they have they have good players. They have history and all the rest and of it. And the budget as and, well. And they have money now um, from this office in China with just the telephone and, and, the, <laughs> and, the, and the filing cabinets. Um, but they, they, they get up and make some kind of challenge. Show some heart. Well, weren't um, Inter in the title race until Christmas? Yeah, until Christmas, they, they fell apart. Fell away. That's half the season. Exactly. Yeah. But I think we should just also give a clap to Sari because the yeah. football that they played at Napoli, it wasn't just that they challenged, it was the way that they challenged and um, uh, the, the connection, I spoke about it with Marseille, but that, you know, getting all them fans at the airport cheering them on, I mean, that that is... Fantastic. Even, even if you don't win the league, you supporters have their memories for the rest of their lives of being And the connection of... that that club had with the team with Maradona and everything has been re- con- re-established. I, I just feel that Carlo Ancelotti is going to ruin it all. Right, well, let me talk about that because Carlo Ancelotti, um, obviously, Sari's gone. 
Carlo Ancelotti, rather than take up the Italy job, has gone to Naples. Why do you think that's going to be a disaster? Because I, I don't think he works on the coaching ground anything like what um, you know Sari did. And when he went to Bayern Munich, there was initially, I think, the Bayern players were happy to have this release from Pep Guardiola and the intensity of it. But they quickly realised that actually Ancelotti is, is very good at managing up um, in terms of you know these powerful owners. He's very good at you know, just letting players kind of do what they want. Um, Three Champions Leagues. Yeah, yeah, but with the players that actually that suits, that style of management suits Real Madrid, where they don't want to be doing drills every 10 minutes and watching long videos. They want to practice their overhead kicks. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I, I think that the appointment of Ancelotti is pure. I mean, they've got a film producer of an owner and it's completely Hollywood. Even the announcement was uh, De Laurentiis, the president, and Ancelotti back-to-back doing the James Bond. That really was cringeworthy, was awful, wasn't it? Even by the standard of modern um, YouTube <laughs> announcements of things, that was a shocker, wasn't I, it? Yeah. I, I just feel like, that, you know, you could have gone for a, a clever, a, a, a sort of brighter appointment. That just felt like, oh, let's get the most famous person Do you think he's... So the argument is that he's able to bring in big-name players, the same way Rafa Benitez did when he was at Napoli, that he sounded like Albiol and, I want to say Higuain, maybe. But, but they, they, they're linked, aren't they, with Vidal as being one of those players, maybe, yeah. they can get. But in, I don't see how you do that on the budget, uh, really, that, that Napoli have got. Like, you maybe get Vidal in, but you could be losing somebody, um, you know, of real quality. Like Jorginho. Like, like I mean, Jorginho, yeah, to yeah. pay for that. And um, you're getting somebody coming if not towards the end of their career. Certainly, I think we've already seen the best of Vidal. Um, and you're losing great talents. And I think somebody like Zielinski, be interesting to see where he goes. He could follow Sari because uh, Sari thinks that Zielinski is the new Kevin De Bruyne. Um, so if he goes to Chelsea, don't be surprised if a couple of players Ooh. follow him. And, of course, uh, um, Ancelotti's decision to go to the south of Italy meant that... Uh, Mancini's imprisonment, as it was being presented, <laughs> chained to a radiator in Russia, came to a happy conclusion, and we're very, very happy for him. Um, next up, we'll talk about the uh, the also-rans. I'm, I'm, man, is it a weird thing to say, the also-rans, when you're talking about Roma, AC Milan, uh, Inter Milan and Lazio. Grandmaster Flash, of course, and White Lines, brackets, don't do it. Must do your homework one day when we do songs that are telling you what to do. Don't do it. Vision, dreams of passion. And all the while I think of you. I must do this because, you know, at least Rob's a music fan. One of the very first interviews I ever did um, was with Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Um, And I was very green behind the ears and all the rest of it. And I got to this hotel in London and there was all these scary urban types in their leather clothes and their dark glasses. The room was thick with marijuana. You could have cut it with a cricket bat. There was loads of girls in there. It's all going on. And this punk box was blaring. And I, I didn't know what I should do. I was with a magnificent man called Paul Slattery, the photographer. It's for Sounds magazine. Who makes the sounds in, in, in the closet <laughs> program? Sounds shout out tonight. Yeah, yeah. Paul, who was about five foot seven, a white fella, walked in, kicked the funk box off with his toe. Right, anyone who's not actually in the band out in the corridor now, come on. He was absolutely <laughs> used to it. It was just brilliant. 
Songs with white in the title, bands with white in their name, artists who are called white as we celebrate Real Madrid. Your request, please, to 81089. And to me at Danny Kelly Words on Twitter. Get higher, baby. Get higher, baby. And don't ever come down. I wonder how much of Let's Dance by David Bowie comes out of this record. I think all of it. Yes, that's right. Okay, let's talk some more then about uh, what went on in Italy. Um, Inter Milan somehow made the top four. As you say, technically in the title race till Christmas. Then relegation style form for a whole chunk of time. Remember they managed to get over the line and get into the into the Champions League. What will they think about their season? Um, I think they, they saved it on the final day with that dramatic victory at Lazio. Um, I, I tend to think that Champions League is basically what they should have been aiming for at the start. Spalletti always going to take time. You know, it, it doesn't just happen, I don't think, in, in one season. They are very reliant on Icardi. Don't bat very deep in terms of a squad. And that's maybe something where they, they, they need to address um, in, in the summer because you can look at um, you know the key players for their team, Skrunar at centre-back um, and Icardi up front, maybe Perisic on the left. And um, you know, they just haven't got enough rotation, which is got, obviously in Champions League next season, you need to be able to rotate more. Napoli kind of don't, but but most other teams in Europe. But did Inter, do. Uh, what was interesting about last summer was that Inter looked across the city and AC Milan signed, I think it was fifty nine thousand players. <laughs> yeah, and they basically didn't sign anybody apart from Screener. So did they leave themselves too short? Because it looked like it was a wise move to just go, no, we've got our settled group, and then to December, uh, everything seems yeah, to be Yeah, I think that, that's maybe why they started so well, because they were they were settled, and there were a few other teams around in Italy that um, you know had changed quite a bit. Uh, you, you think of Roma changing a lot, Juventus just go through stages of, of redevelopment all the time, really, and um, that maybe helped them in the first half of the season, but... Um, I, I tend to think that, that they've got it on the right lines. I don't think you want to keep signing six, seven players. OK, but w- there'll be a lot of people sniffing around Perisic in the, the summer, particularly Premier League, I imagine. And Will Icardi, who will be very disappointed to have been left out of the Argentinian squad for the World Cup, more about the World Cup very, very soon. Will the Champions League on the last day just about keep him there? I would have thought so. Um, I, I don't really see where Icardi goes. Uh, I think he's at kind of the right level. I mean, the reason he didn't get picked for Argentina, partly because of the, their depth, but also the, there's rumours that he doesn't necessarily get on with Lionel Messi. And, and Messi's That's very, a bad thing. Yes, it is. Uh, he obviously yeah. he's had the um, his relationship with Wanda, his agent, who you know involved a former teammate and. Um, that didn't go down too well um, with, with some people, I think it's fair to say. So, I mean, I think he's at a good club. Um, he's the mm-hmm. captain, the talisman, scores all their goals. I don't really feel like there's a need for him to move on. He's got Champions League football. Um, I think they're quietly confident of keeping him. I think the yeah. kind of murmurings that have been coming out of the club. I mean, if I'm thinking about clubs that might be in the market for a, a striker in the summer, you think maybe Chelsea, Chelsea and if Sarri's, if Sarri's coming over, maybe he'll look back to the league he was just che- in. Chelsea is the answer to all questions yeah. on Trans Europe yeah. Express, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Every summer is the answer to all your questions. And, yeah, Chelsea were, sorry, Chelsea, uh, Napoli were quite heavily linked with Icardi at one stage, but of course Sarri went down a different route, actually, and didn't play with an out-and-out striker. But, I mean, I, I, I don't feel like Inter massively underachieved in finishing fourth. I felt like that was about right. Let's talk about their near neighbours then, Milan themselves. Obviously, Montella was there for three or four minutes, like he was at every club this season. Um, Gattuso came in. They got financial fair play. They missed out on Europe. They bought 150 players with the money they got from China. Chaos, I think, is, is what reigned there. Sorry, Dave, just quickly, they're not out of Europe at the moment. They're, oh. they're in the 
they, 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 they are in the Europa League but could be kicked out by UEFA due Will to be, I believe. Yeah, I think it's a strong possibility. It doesn't look good. I mean, the, the way that they've you know been talking about the finances and UEFA are just saying to them, uh, because it's all been about these, these refinancing of debts and UEFA, financial fair play, just saying, don't go bankrupt. And they're saying, just show us the numbers, and they they can't prove it. And then there's all these investment companies and VCs and all these kind of things. It just seems a bit of an embarrassing mess at the moment. It is, and uh, you know, Gattuso initially went in there and got a reaction, uh, maybe not that much of a surprise. You do wonder about him long-term and his suitability to... Uh, you know, coaching a high-level uh, club. But Montella was brilliant when he got sacked by Sevilla. There was that time when he was ordered into the office um, to discuss one of the, the latest terrible results. And he just told the uh, the Sevilla sort of um, power brokers that he wasn't working the next day, so he wasn't going to the meeting. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't last for too much longer. Um I, I, don't, I honestly don't think any of us, even though you two have got brains the size of planets, can make any predictions about what's going to happen with AC Milan, so we'll leave that there. Roma, I, I, I guess you could say that they've had a decent season. I mean, uh, big things for them next season. Are they going to be the one of the ones who... Could, could, they, could they be the Naples of next season? Could be the ones who try and close down Juventus? I think so. I think the basis is there. Um, we saw that in the Champions League. Alisson in goal... Um, would, would be one that you know you'd be hoping that they could keep Monchi in terms of sporting director. You always back him to to make the right kind of signings. Um, Eusebio Di Francesco, the coach, is having a second season. Do you, um, do you think Mon- did Monchi get embarrassed, or was he embarrassed? Like he immediately went in and then sold Salah for. 38 million at the time or whatever it was people didn't necessarily think that was a bad deal but we they had to do that deal they they were in um a sticky hole in terms of financial fair play but has it, do you think it's has he is it reflected badly on him at I all don't in think Italy? so because he claims that they actually were going to accept a lower offer uh, until he that, that, that he helped If you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Forced the price up and actually made Liverpool pay mm. more than w- was going to be the case. I think uh, Salah was already kind of his mind was already elsewhere, and it was a case of just getting the best deal possible. There was there weren't many people saying, "Oh, Roma have made a terrible mess of this one." No, this is uh, this is more credit to Liverpool for yeah. seeing and developing the football that we've exactly. seen in the last eight or nine months. Roma have got a shirt sponsor now. Well done to them and the Champions League money. So that sticky patch that they had financially that you talk about there should, in theory, be behind them now. Yes, it should. Um, I think that they will always sell their best players. You don't employ somebody like Monchi um, and, and then tell him not to sell. I mean, the, the idea at Sevilla was to sell high and then buy low. And I, I do think that Roma will do the same. They're already looking at a couple of the Ajax youngsters um, as, as a, a, a route in. Clive, uh, your, mate, so your mate's son for Yeah, I'll, I'll have a word with yeah. Pat later on. Oh, bring him. <laughs> oh, no, I'll get him on the WhatsApp. Well, no, he, you know, he gets up about 8.30, doesn't he, in the evening to, to go probably, and have his breakfast at Stringfellows, yeah. He's, he's probably having to lie down before a big night, I'd have thought. Lazio, I mean, if you start with Immobile and Milinkovic-Savic in your team, you could then regard what happened to them this season as a failure, surely? I, well, I, I'd, I would say that Immobile was, you know, seen as maybe having had his best time already prior to returning to Lazio, where he has been... A revelation. I don't think anyone quite expected Chiro Immobile to be so good. It's Top worth remembering. Top scorer in the league. Top scorer with Icardi on 29 league goals. Um, I forget how many he got with Europa League and everything. He, he ended up with a ridiculous amount. And, you know, losing the manner in which they lost the Europa League, as Mark mentioned, on the final day of the season, 2-1 up into the closing stages against Inter, then conceding twice and going out was a gutter. And and look, they're, they're two defining moments of the season when they conceded a load of goals against Salzburg in the Europa League in seven minutes, got knocked out. The last minutes against Inter as well. And De Vrij at centre-back is going to Inter, who played against them on the last day of the season and gave away a penalty in that game. Um you know, would you would you expect them to challenge for Champions League? No, I don't yeah. think so. But I I, I feel like uh, they actually overachieved. Simone Inzaghi, um, I, it would have been my choice for the next Napoli coach. I don't care that he didn't win anything. Was linked, wasn't he? He was linked to it. Yeah. Would would have been the right choice um, for me. They also lost in the semi-finals of the Coppa Italia on penalties. Just a heartbreaking season for a team that were one of the, the best watches in Italy. Okay, so who are your stars and moments of the season? I guess uh, you first, Mark. I'm going to go for Benatia, a star of the season, because I thought Juventus uh, needed a new leader of that defence, and I thought that he stepped up, and it's not easy to step up. Moment of the season, Alberto Brignoli, the Benevento goalkeeper, flying, diving head, a goal uh, against Milan. I mean, special any stage, but after you've lost your first 14 matches of the season to get your first point. Well, Benevento was just a wonderful story in and of itself, wasn't it? up with 21 points absolutely nice. and, uh, and and with a load of fantastic gold lags playing football there uh, <laughs> it was just wonderful what's your moment well Benevento does actually tie into mine which my moment of the season really which was the first home game that Fiorentina played after the death of captain Davide Astore uh, they went on a I think a seven match winning run after um, Astore's death and the first home game back they had this incredible uh, ceremony type thing and all the supporters there it was 
purple banners and everything. It was really amazing. And then the guy who, the one change, so Fiorentina made one change from the t- the last game, a story out for um, for Vitor Hugo, who actually scored the goal that won the game against Benevento. And then they had that shirt and uh, that he went over and celebrated at the bench. They had an Astori shirt and uh, they saluted it as he's the captain. They've renamed the training ground after Davide Astori as well. An absolute tragedy, of course, because he was a young man, 31 years old, Italian um, international. Um, but I think Fiorentina handled the whole thing with like complete grace and um, finished the season reasonably strongly. OK, so thank you very, very much indeed. Uh, very soon we'll give you the result of our first poll. Um, that's the one um, about uh, which was the, the bigger legend, uh, Gianluigi uh, Buffon or Andres Iniesta. We'll set a second poll for you. We'll continue our musical homework and we'll move on to the Bundesliga because you're listening to Trans Europe Express here uh, with Rob, Mark and me, Danny Kelly. <laughs> Daily's choice, and very good it is too. The White Stripes, of course, and uh, instead of playing Seven Nation Army, we're playing Hotel Yorba. Good choice, Rob. Thank you. I won't explain it's anything to do with white in music, bands, artist names, song titles. 81089 and at Danny Kelly Words on Twitter. Let's uh, move on to the Bundesliga, where our headline is, The Only Way is Yup, um, to salute to the fact that Yup Heinkes hilariously came out of retirement at 104 years of age uh, to guide Bayern Munich for the, uh, for the umpteenth time um, under his uh, tutelage at various times to another um, Bundesliga title. Great joke by Thomas Muller in the, in the, uh, his leaving party. Oh, yeah, Mark mentioned that one. Actually. Yeah, 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 it was... Um, he, he should have nicked that role. He, and I was going to, but... He wrote yeah. in his card or, you know, like uh, a leaving message, whatever it was, um, see you in October, boss. Uh, which maybe, for Kovac, the incoming coach, maybe didn't want to uh, hear about that story. Yeah, well, let me let's talk about Bayern Munich because um, team in transition in many ways... New manager comes in, and yet they're re-signing um, contracts with Robin and Rebery. Where where are Bayern Munich? And well, all this? they're in a weird. I think they're in a bit of a weird place actually here. So they, uh, the course of the season, they obviously sacked Carlo Ancelotti after the humiliating defeat to Paris Saint Germain, the three 0 loss, and then Heinkers just steadied the ship. They weren't top at the time and ended up winning the league by twenty one points. So it, he just came in and just got the job done. But they do have an aging squad. Their record transfer fee stands at €35 million Euros for Corentin Tolisso, who isn't a guaranteed starter. It's been something that Lewandowski's whined about, that they haven't entered that market that even... You know, we've seen Juve spend these kind of money, this kind of money as well, where you go out £60, £70 million pounds and buy a player. And they are still hanging well, on to Robin and Well, when you're being spent by Everton and people like that. Well, quite, you know, yeah. And you're exactly. buying Munich. Yeah. And they, have, they do have money in the, in the bank. They've got loads of money in the bank. Um, and they'll complain about perhaps 50 plus one that the way that you know they can't properly control the club and spend you know get foreign investment in as they would like but um it's i think it's going to leave them short in the champions league which is their their true indicator and yet you know in the semi-final against real madrid they were the better team they're not that they're they're that far off i know it's not it's not far no 
but they are getting older. And that's a fact. I mean, Vidal, we're talking about Vidal going back to Italy. That could well happen. One of the most important midfield players, Robin and Ribery, mid-30s now getting. And Bayern leave it to the end of the season to decide. They're like, we're not sure. And then it gets to April, May, and they get the new deal. So they don't, they, they're signing free transfers again. Leon Goretzka's coming in from Schalke to play in midfield, probably to replace Vidal. But are they going to really go into that mega mad money uh, market. I'm not so sure again this summer. It's quite interesting because Gareth Bale was one of those that has been linked into, I don't know so much the German press, but certainly the Spanish press. They've mentioned Bale as, um, you know, that that's a possible destination for him. The Most of the dressing room speaks English um, anyway, and that would kind of be that next level um, signing. And, yeah. uh, He's not in our poll, our second poll of the uh, evening. Let me just say the first one, which is the bigger legend. Buffon got 40% of the votes there, 60% for Andres Iniesta. Um, and our second uh, poll is, where will Gareth Bale be playing next season? At the moment, it's 12% Paris Saint-Germain, 17% Tottenham, uh, 26% Real Madrid, but uh, nearly half the voters, 46%, think he'd be at Manchester United. I, I voted for Manchester United um, as well for Gareth Bale, but I think somebody like that, and I, I, they, they probably wouldn't buy and wouldn't spend that kind of money, maybe not on, what's he, 28 Gareth Bale. 28, so, yeah. Um, but they, they do need to... Even if they even if they think the transfer market is crazy and it is crazy, they need to enter that market. It's at not going to get any less crazy, is it? No, the, I don't think the so. The history of, of the game is that the Champions League clubs keep on pushing up the prices because the money goes swirling around. You know, they'll buy one player from one of their these clubs and sell another one to another. The money doesn't escape; it gets away. It gets away in wages and and agents' fees. But by Munich, it's a bit kink and you to sit there saying, well, we're not going to pay for these players. And they've ended up, we spoke earlier on about PSG maybe not going for the right top-level um, coach. In Kovac, they've got somebody that's pretty wet behind the ears in terms of coaching. I know he beat them in the German Cup final, and actually that may in be... In a mad game, by the way. It was a mad game, and it may actually help Bayern that he has gone and won a trophy, and he can kind I, of... I think so. I think he almost needed it to go into that dressing room, because as soon as Bayern announced this, Frankfurt had tanked in the league and actually fell out of the top seven completely because they were in contention for a Champions League spot. I, I don't think he's the right appointment. And Tuchel turned them personally. down as well, if you yeah, believe, yeah. depending on which reports you read. But, I mean, it sounds that way. Having said that, they have over the years not done too bad with people who have been previous players at the club who know the ins and outs of what is more of a, an institution than a football club as we would understand it. Instead of well, they've got this area. FC Deutschland idea, haven't they, but as how, well? How many times would a German coach like Tuchel turn down Bayern Munich? I mean, that doesn't happen too often now. There they may well be two sides to that story, but there's certainly a school of thought. That I think he looked at the structure of the club and went, there is way too much stuff above me. That Karl-Heinz Rummenegger and Uli Hoeneß and all these guys, Hassan Salahamajic, Hassan Salahamajic, the sporting director, all these guys above him all do interviews all the time. They do. And it would drive Tuchel mad because it happened at Dortmund and you, you are, in a sense, you can be undermined. You can, but, conflicting but, 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 but you know, a bit like a dysfunctional club like Chelsea will just point to the, the timeline of trophies and Bayern can do exactly the same thing. That's true, yeah. What about Lewandowski? Um, he's changed his Lewandowski. agent. Lewandowski. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's, changed, he's changed his agent. Um, is he about to... Uh, another one who, uh, you, the, way he, the way he plays it, um, he's, he's on probably 200 grand a week and playing for one of the great clubs in world football. You'd think he was chained to a radiator, a hostage, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> how, is he on his way? How bad was he in that semi-final of the Champions League, though, against Real Madrid? That maybe yeah. will put Real Madrid off because Benzema actually in the final has put in probably his best performance of the season. Yeah. Lewandowski was awful in, in, in both matches. I think 
the reason for changing agents is clearly in going to see Harvey is to get this move. Whether it happens or not, because Bayern are, are very strong on the fact that he won't be leaving. He scored 29 goals, nearly double the amount of anybody else in the Bundesliga. You know, Bayern can't really afford to lose Lewandowski because it looks terrible. I suppose they'd probably go for Timo Werner um, if, yeah, if he's they did lose. Well, they've player, got yeah. Sandro Wagner now. It's all okay. He yeah. scored yeah. a load of goals, well, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did and, score and a lot Sandro of goals. Sandro Wagner will think it's okay. Yeah, He'll he, think it's he definitely fine. He's, he's good enough. Yeah. I'll go in goal. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Dortmund. Um, first of all, the, the amazing appointment of Peter Bosch and how long that lasted. I mean, to be fair to you, um, Mark, you said I'll be amazed if this goes three months when it, when it first got done. Uh, he, he just was such a crazy um, appointment, in my opinion. I mean, you saw what happened in the Europa League final when he admitted afterwards that Ajax, a team that are big underdogs against Manchester United, had spent no time planning on Manchester United. They were going to play the way that they felt was the right way for Ajax to play. And Mourinho spent a month uh, or whatever I, I interviewed some of the United them. players before, but in the media day, five days before that final, and they were already... Watching the tapes and and all that kind it was of thing. A, it was Ajax. a bit like Atletico Atletico Madrid against uh, Marseille. You saw one yeah. team being fed fed yeah. into the shredder of the other team with that final, but, didn't you? I mean, obviously, it started really well. Um, Dortmund were came flying out of the traps. Um, were just outstanding, playing some fantastic football, but. Opposition team soon realised all you needed to do was boot the ball over the top. Completely, and yeah. you, were, you were in on goal. There was a game uh, I, I commentated on where they lost four two at Hanover, and Hanover had worked out just second you win the ball just over the top because the the line on occasion wasn't on the halfway line. Beyond it was beyond oh, the Champions League game at, uh, at Wembley against Spurs. And, but yeah, Christian Eriksen yeah, eventually completely. worked out. I'm just going to. Pl- I wonder if that game, that and the Hanover game actually, the game at Wembley when everyone went. What the he- what are Spurs doing here? Just getting in, but it's Son, wasn't it? Especially yeah, as well, having great time. joy down the left. And I think everyone went, oh. Oh, it's Dortmund. And it's not Spurs, it's Dortmund. <laughs> yeah, it's Dortmund. <laughs> and then, of course, there was the, the leading 4-0 against Schalke in the biggest derby in Germany and not winning um, the, the game, which was uh, just yeah. another ridiculous. Obama Yang gone. I mean, they've, they're, they're in the Champions League next year. They've got a big lot. They've got a lot of work to do. Need now, a striker, Dortmund, yeah. But, I mean, they signed Michi Batshuayi on loan. He scored a lot of goals before he got injured at the back end of the year. He's very Dortmundy in a way, as a colourful, yeah. outspoken character. He sort of works for the club. Andy Brassel on the show previously has said he doesn't think that Dortmund do want to sign Michi Batshuayi. I don't know who else really that they'll be going in for. Saying that, they have a lot of money, because what was all Bami? I want to 60 say, odd million. 60 million. Yeah. So they will have money in the bank to spend. I don't know what you'd have to spend to get Batshuayi from Chelsea. You wouldn't get much change out of that, the way that, I mean, Chelsea don't need to sell, do they? So I mean, exactly, you're looking yeah. at 40. I mean, one bright spot was uh, Sancho from Manchester City, mm-hmm. young Englishman, um, some performances towards the back end of the season. I, I think it was the penultimate game, maybe even the... the uh, the week before that, uh, um, a way to Werder Bremen. Some of his touches just—he's going to be an absolute talent. Make no mistake. Okay, that. well let's let's um, let's have a little break. When we come back, um, we'll talk about uh, Schalke, Leverkusen, Leipzig, Cologne, and uh, the club who have not yet responded to my email offering to buy their relegation clock for this very very studio, Hamburg, who are very very rude. the kind of clubs that Patrick Cliver takes him to but this is um, Mark Langdon's choice Disclosure and White Noise the irony of him sitting there in a posing pouch 
is that the air conditioning in the studio now means he's freezing <laughs> and he's trying to get a blanket to put around his legs like an old boy. You did actually say, can I get a blanket? <laughs> Would you like a biscuit in your t- for your tea as well? Just some trousers, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, too, it's too ridiculous. A man of your age and intelligence, honestly, God. This is Disclosure and White Noise. Or White Noise by Disclosure, who knows? Let's move on to the rest of the Bundesliga. What about um, Schalke? As you said, Goretzka's on his way out, Rob. I mean, yep. this, this is, uh, with all due respect to Mark, the, the, the Bundesliga is your beat. Um, tell us about the Schalkers, the Leverkusen, the Leipzigs. They, they also ends, if you like, and what they've got to do and where they, what kind of seasons they've had. Schalke were in a different category, really, to those other teams, finishing quite comfortably second in the Bundesliga. And they're a monster club. If everyone told the truth, they're a oh, huge football club. Anyone who's been to the Veltins Arena, you'll suddenly realise, well, you know, a 67,000-seat stadium packed out every single week. And I think it's... It's it's how they were able to sign players like Raúl, like Raúl leaving Real Madrid, yeah. show him that place. He knows he's at a proper club. The, uh, the thing with Schalke, I always think, is you need to say to them. I don't speak the German that you do. I can only say "Gabusch is the Tischgemacht." Um, he, they, <laughs> they will, they will say, they, see. There's the act, right? If you could just get it together with that act, get your act together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, completely. They, yeah, and I think. I mean, but they, they've they're having one of their best players robbed by Bayern. Same old story, sadly. But they've been. They, they're they not always brilliant to watch, but they've been very effective. They have a good, arrogant head coach in Domenico Tedesco, who's 32 years of age. They took a massive wild gamble on him. He's an old man compared him. to uh, well, some of the <laughs> other ones. Yeah. absolutely Julian right. Julian Nagelsmann. And um, they've just, they were just very efficient. They, they, they're improving, I think, because they're signing some very good players. The other issue that they have is Max Meyer, who's been playing a sort of defensive midfield role. He was a number 10. He's going to leave on a free transfer. He was effectively kicked Where's out of the going? club. Hoffenheim, isn't it? Yeah, That's Hoffenheim what, yeah. and Leipzig were the two uh, that he was mainly linked with, which does seem a little unusual. If if someone said, if he was a completely free agent and said, pick a club for Max Meyer to go to, I'd actually put him back in Schalke because mm. everything, he's there in the Champions League, it just works for him. But Rob, I was just going to ask about Schalke. I mean, obviously, uh, Christian Heidel, sporting director, um, had uh, a lot of success previously and then had a really bad first year at Schalke yeah. and, yeah. and he kind of saved himself with the Tedesco appointment would he be trusted to sort of keep Schalke in the top four in terms of what he can I do? I think so I think actually the personnel they brought in this season were, were absolutely fantastic we had uh, Amin Harit who's the the Moroccan international uh, I've I've mistakenly called him the next Meza Ozil on this show that's going to come back to haunt why is he no he, good he's <laughs> I'm sandwiched between two Spurs fans here so he's he was so good this year just Brilliant to watch. He was something like 10 million euros um, from Liga and has just been absolutely brilliant. And I'm glad Schalke are actually back in the Champions League. And the highlight of the season, obviously, was the comeback against Dortmund. 4-0 down at half-time in the derby against Dortmund, coming back to draw 4-4. And largely down to their centre-back, who nearly got a call-up to the Brazil squad in Naldo at 35, who had his his best ever season. Leipzig, um, you know, controversial even now. Um, the manager's gone. Um, Naby Keita's going, although I guess he hasn't really pulled up any trees this year. He's had a year off, hasn't he, in preparation of going to Anfield. Um, will their will their effort, their, their impact start to dissolve now? I don't think so. I think, if anything, they'll probably look to come back sort of harder and stronger. Are they going to really? push on? They, I, I, well, I mean, I, I think they've underachieved, really, by not 
it's funny because if they would have had their first season of qualifying for the Europa League, second season, you know, being closest challenges to Bayern, everybody would say, wow, because it's happened the other way around. Yeah. Um, it, it looks like saying, a, a they, bad They season. reversed that to, wow. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they, <laughs> they actually, they, did. they got their hearts set on the uh, Europa League. Yeah. And I think that they, their debut European season, of course, basically a brand new club, and they started to get sucked into the idea that they could go on and win that, were knocked out eventually by... Uh, 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 yeah, Marseille, Marseille, Marseille. That's right. And but uh, Asen Hutel lost his way a little bit because he was being linked with very big jobs. Bayern. Yeah, Bayern, Bayern yeah. And, and even outside of uh, in terms of Arsenal were one of the um, the, the teams interested. And um, he he just seemed to. Uh, I still think he's a very good coach, but I don't know. There was something about maybe his coaching methods that was made it very difficult for them to play at the intensity in terms of Bundesliga games and also European I games. I think maybe he underestimated the European effect here as well. And at the far end, at the other end of the Bundesliga, let's not mess about here, two very large football clubs relegated to the second league. Uh, Cologne, who finished you know, way down, and Hamburg, who finally, finally fell yeah. through the trapdoor. What's this a sign of? That they're badly run clubs or that German football is more competitive than it used to be? What's this a sign of? Hamburg's been a complete disaster for four or five years now. Their fate, it was their fate to go down. They had to go they down. They were doing a Sunderland, really. They were, they were dancing on the trapdoor. Oh, weren't completely. They? Yeah. And, you know, making awful decisions, selling players that turned out to be really good, making awful managerial appointments, changing the manager all the time. It just had to, they just had to go down. I'm not a big believer in, you know, when some teams say, some fans will say, we needed to go down or we need, it'll be good for us to clean this. I don't, but just stay in the league you're in and yeah. then just get better that way. But that, they are so rotten to the core that they need to change. Christian Titz, who took over his head coach. What's he called? Christian Titz yeah, did a yeah. brilliant job. Oddly, so some good oddly, headlines if they get promoted. In oddly there as well. enough, he really yeah, it's, <laughs> it's all gone tits up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. uh, oddly enough, um, he's done a great job, hasn't he? Despite he's, being relegated, he's been fantastic. And um, something I was mentioning before is that the the idea of surviving for many clubs, if you change the manager in the season, is you get a coach who's very good defensively, and you build from there. The Allardyce syndrome. Yeah, exactly. He decided to attack. Hamburg were relegated effectively. And then they started winning games. Uh, Lewis Holtby, who isn't actually that good a player, but is all you know, Tries fist hard. bumps and yeah. slide tackles, yeah. scored five goals in the final seven games of the season and almost kept them up. But the the images of the last game of the season when they won against Gladbach and in added time, uh, fires were being started in the stands and flares were being thrown out. They were burning my hundred... scoreboard, uh, yeah. my, 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 my clock. You should do that email, by the yeah. way. You please, please do that. Now, listen, um, we've got about a minute to tell me what, who your star and your moment of the season in Germany was. Uh, the star, Joshua Kimmich, just never seen him have a bad game. Unbelievable player. And my moment was Mainz against Freiburg. Never seen a goal scored at half-time before in the VAR. Players down the tunnel, called back for a penalty. Absolute chaos. Yeah, beautiful chaos. Beautiful, beautiful chaos. I'll go for Julian Nagelsmann for getting yeah. Hoffenheim into the Champions League, having lost all of his best players to uh, Bayern, including a new one in January when Sandro Wagner left as well. And uh, the best game of the season was 4-4. Dortmund, Schalke, without a doubt. Yeah, well, for me, uh, I'm afraid it, it is poor old Hamburg because uh, before the show was invented, I was watching their progress. I mean, any club who makes their big boast, we've never been relegated. <laughs> Talk about a hostage to fortune. And for the last four of the last five seasons, they've done their level best uh, to get relegated. And of course, having that big uh, clock in the stadium showing how many years, months, weeks 
days and seconds, seconds, yeah, seconds uh, hours I mean, and seconds that it has been relegated uh, I'm not sure that's the smart way to go still got another hour of this special edition of Trans Europe Express to go during that we'll look at all the other leagues that we haven't talked about so far we'll talk about the World Cup and the Champions League which last night saw Real Madrid win it for the fourth time in five years that was live here on TalkSport on DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM Trans Euro Express end of season review with Danny Kelly Mark Langer and Rob Daly on Talk Sport. I do want to take this opportunity to thank the other people along with Mark and Rob who've helped me through the season. Andy Brassel being the obvious one, Mark Cotty as well, of course. Uh, we couldn't afford Andy for this show because we'd made that sting that you heard about this show. It's all the money being spent on that. But I want to thank uh, both of those particularly, as well as these two, for making Trans Europe Express such a great listen, for me at least, and that's how I judge it. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed making it, because if you have, then you've had a blast. And hopefully, um, the manager will see, uh, see us right next season. We'll be back uh, when the football season starts again. This is Trans Europe Express, end of season roundup with Rob Daly, Mark Langdon, me, Danny Kelly, and you, our beloved listeners. tear there, a little tear ran down my face. Um, let's talk about the Champions League. I mean, uh, amazing tournament, but I think we have to start with last night's events. And I'll start with you, Rob, because although you bring great neutrality and knowledge to this thing, Very uh, professional, the, the, yeah. the, yeah, the, yeah. Boy of, the boy in you, rather than the football man, is a Liverpool fan. Um, a terrible, terrible way to lose a final. Yeah, like everything going wrong. I, yeah. I actually can't begrudge Real Madrid the win. Uh, ultimately, if there was something so brutal and clinical about their second half performance that you can't help but come away and, and admire. But you lose your best player after 30 minutes. And you could see the air go out, physically go out of the team. Yeah, and it, it wasn't just tactically how everything changed. It was the rest of the team thought, oh, no. And you could see it in the way that they were struggling to hold on to the ball, something they were previously doing easily. It was funny because before the final, Klopp had said, what this is about is the good moments and the bad moments, how we respond to them. And he was talking about something going wrong in the game. Now, look, he, that, that, the worst nightmare is, you know, they'd rather go down to 10 men, wouldn't they, rather than lose Mohamed Salah? Yeah, yeah um, probably. Uh, yeah, and, and although they certainly prefer to go a goal behind at that stage than to lose him. Um, and that, but that, that, that was only the precursor. That was the aperitif, um, the warm-up act for the goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, and... The best goal ever scored in a final. Uh, no question. No question. Uh, I, I think you, you look at the mistakes, and I know people are probably sick of hearing about Loris Karras' mistakes now, but I think you look at the first one and you say, that's complacency. That's sloppy in on the biggest I've occasion. Seen, I've never really seen that happen really before unusual. in football. Yeah. Because what sort of happened? The second was, one does happen occasionally. Goalkeepers lose their concentration yeah. and something happens. First one, I'd never see it. Again. There was a general feeling of, is that are you allowed to do that? There was a little bit of that because the ball was in the box. Everyone was like, is that fine? But it was completely fine. But whoever just... sees a goalkeeper bowl the ball out underarm oh. anymore, you bowl it out overarm for that exact reason. Yeah. You keep it away from the feet of onrushing se- international by, strikers. By the time of the second goal, from the Bale's second goal, his brain's obviously completely fried, isn't do you, it? Do you blame Klopp? They've been told about this goalkeeping situation. I said last night in the post of the match in the phone-in, Jürgen, I understand, he's one of those people, a bit like myself, who the glass is always half full. He thrives. His petrol is positivity. But sometimes when you're an ultra-positive ultra person, you can convince yourself that the sky is green. 
not blue, and nothing can change that for you. And just by keeping on picking Carrius and saying he's going to be fine, it doesn't make it so, does I think, it? I think what he would point to is go, the, the previous 32 games, I looked at the stat, there was no error from Loris Carrius in the previous 32 he'd played. So everyone knew deep down that he wasn't and isn't good enough. Um, and ultimately it was his... Under- I mean, Liverpool are only in the final because of Klopp. It's just a matter oh, no, no, of no, no, no. Of course, uh, uh, he's he's fantastic. I'm not blaming him at all from uh, in the round, not holistically. Yeah. Just that sometimes you just have to deal. But why would everyone keep going on about the goalkeeping situation? We're not making it up. Real Madrid three on the spin. First team since Bayern Munich to do that. Um, four of the last five. So let's call it a dynasty. Um, Luka Modric did. Are they? Are they? The the best team of mo- of the modern era. Oh, absolutely not. No. Um, there's a <sighs> thank God for that. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a <laughs> the truth will out on this program always. Uh, a collection of individuals that um, turn up for big matches, and, and I thought the second half they were, you know, for all Liverpool's flaws, I thought Real Madrid played very well. One of the best sort of halves of football they played in the Champions League, a bit like last season's final when they were so good in the second half against Juventus. But there's, you know, this run, um, it, it, they've beaten some absolute giants. But Neymar got injured in between the two legs against Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah. Uh, Juventus came from 3-0 down to nearly knock them out. And um, that is not the sign of a good team if you can lose a 3-0 advantage at home. I thought they were very good in Turin, but Juve did go down to 10 men. The semi-final, they were outplayed for nearly 180 minutes by Bayern Munich, and Ulrich makes an absolute Horlicks, um, uh, you know, mistake, an unbelievable one, much like Carrius does in the final when Salah also gets injured. So they certainly had the run. Um, uh, Which you need a bit of luck. You, yeah, th- you need a yeah. They've they've had their fair share of luck. I, I just I don't I don't really see a game plan or no, or nor tactics, me. and they nor kind me. of. It breaks. It, it kind of breaks most rules. On but football. does the individual? Say, I mean, if you look at them in terms of players in positions, how many of their eleven are almost the best player in their position? And I think there's a few in there. Like yeah, absolutely. Marcelo, Tony Cruz, would you have Modric in there, and Ramos, and then Ronaldo? Uh, that is quite a good. Modric is not not the worst player around either. No, exactly. But it, it doesn't fit into no. a, a team really. I mean, because that diamond did. Uh, did not work against Liverpool in the, the first half. Isco ended up out on the, on the left-hand side, I think, as the game wore on. And Ronaldo was trying to play out there as well. But I didn't re- And Bayern Munich against him in the semi-final, all they had to do was they just kept knocking the ball out to Alaba. And Alaba and Ribéry were just destroying them. They just couldn't get the, the goal. And then, um, you know, they gave away such a, a poor, um, you know, goal by Munich that, that sort of ruined their chance. And in the season before, Bayern had a player sent off in both legs and were the better team again for most of the game. So um, I think that's why maybe people don't go overboard about Zinedine Zidane, even though he's no, won no. three in two and a half I wonder years. If we, I wonder if actually as fans now we're so hooked on this idea of philosophy yeah. because we have maybe. seen it with uh, the Barcelona team, especially Pep Guardiola's Barcelona team, that we are fans. We're looking at a legacy like this and going, where's the philosophy? Because we can't really see one. No, it's driving no. us mad. No, no, it's not driving. The, the, the great teams, and I've seen a lot of Champions League and European Cup football, the great teams always had something they brought to the game in general. I'm, I'm going back to the early 70s and Ajax, final, of course, would argue they also won the one before their three, um, brought this in, into changing of positions that we call total football. The uh, track and field fitness of the Bayern Munich team um, which eventually became the German team that won the World Cup um, by being more physically brilliant than others. The AC Milan teams 
um, with the Dutch players in where they mix the traditional defensive brilliance of Italian football, Costa Curta, Baresi, Maldini, etc., with um, the, the press, total football. It, yeah. The Barcelona side that brought Tikka Taka, these great teams. I'd even argue the Red Star Belgrade team that won the Champions League and then got well, the European Cup and then got broken up because they all wanted to play in Western Europe was a better football team than this Real Madrid team. But what you can't deny is that they have players, Marcelo, Cristiano Ronaldo, etc., Gareth Bale, um, who turn up for these very, very big games. Two things about this. It's like a million years ago now since England had five teams in the last 16. And I think... Manchester City played off the, you know, I know that their fans will say that they were robbed by the officials, but knocked out by Liverpool. I think this is an, op- this is an opportunity missed for Manchester City. I think they have played the best football in Europe this season and ought to have been in that final. Easily, the, I, I think they're easily the best team in Europe. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't even think it's... it's you heard it close, here really. on Trans Europe um, Express, so don't of, mess about. In terms of the team, I mean, we often say that winners are copied. You know, that that's a... Kind of clear. You can't copy Real Madrid, can you? There's no, no way anybody can look at that and say, "Well, you know, we'll try try to do something similar," because it's just so um, out out of uh, the ordinary, really, hmm. in terms of what they do. And that may be one of the reasons why they're so hard to get a grip on and beat. But yes, they, oh, they haven't got a system that you can you can plan against. No. You're planning. You have it's to so chaotic. And... It is so chaotic. But I, I, I thought the Premier League teams did okay. Um, you know, Liverpool got to the final. Um, we saw Man City play some of the best football in Europe. Uh, Tottenham. Gave Juventus um, a, a good game. Could have gone either way. Chelsea were a little bit unlucky against Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Courtois had a, um, a a bit of an off night, didn't he? So the near post, yeah, yeah. And Manchester United um, will be kicking themselves that they let that opportunity slip against it's a, Seville, a yeah. really average severe side. Yeah, well, it was, I think it was. I think it was a fantastic tournament because of uh, you know, Liverpool's games against Manchester City. I thought the semi-final between Milan, sorry, Madrid and Bayern. Until by sorry, Madrid starts. I'm so angry with them that last ten minutes. Where, that last <laughs> oh, ten minutes, where they just yeah. where they just lie down and don't let the yeah. other team have a chance to equalise. They just convince the referee that the game is over with ten minutes plus added time still to go. Um, they call it game management. I'd call they it a little do, bit yeah. gamesmanship, <laughs> um, and which is of course the next door neighbour of cheating. Um, um, but I thought I thought that game, uh, the second leg. Um, against Bayern was just a there's fantastic like, game there's of football. There's been great games. I mean, I think it's been one of the best Champions Leagues we've yeah. ever seen. And I even think of, as much as you'll hate to say it, and how brilliant Tottenham were, yeah. but that incredible spell where Juve scored twice in three minutes. Sevilla's incredible win at United. Roma, really, uh, probably with the uh, standout result of the whole knockout stages, beating Barcelona 3-0 at home to go through on away goals with that Manalas header. Um it's just, I think, 401 goals in 125 games, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And, and bizarrely, when we talk about all of this, Barcelona, to me, a million miles from winning the Champions League. A million miles from they winning. They weren't actually that good in that first leg at home against Roma either when they won 4-1. No, 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 that was ugly a really, and Two a, own goals. and It was unfortunate for Roma. They lost 4-1, and there's no doubt about that for sure. Can we do our star of the Champions League and our, our moment? Obviously, we're betting without Bale's <laughs> overhead <laughs> kick. because oh, right. Well, I'll go for Cristiano Ronaldo's <laughs> overhead <laughs> kick. Then <if> we <laughs> I, I will go, I'll go um, either for player. I think Mo Salah was actually the best player in the Champions League this year. I know Ronaldo scored 15 goals. I'll tell you, you Sadio uh, Mane wasn't yeah, far behind him yeah. either. My player the tournament Luka Modric I thought his performance in the final when it mattered most uh, Gerard on TV said he was like mesmerised by it I, mean, I think he's one of the most sorry under- who I missed that who Luka Modric yeah, yeah. I, I think he's p- possibly the most underrated player of, of his generation he is 
just been world class for I don't know how many years. I now. suppose I suppose if he managed to get three goals a season, <laughs> we wouldn't. I mean, he just doesn't get noticed because he is a he terrible, yeah. terrible finisher as he was at Tottenham, and he hasn't improved at Real I'll, Madrid. I'll confess at the time when he came close to Chelsea, didn't he? he moved to Chelsea from Spurs. Yes. And then, I was then looking at Spurs the refused to let him go. Then he had a second, another season at Spurs, played really well. And I just couldn't understand where the 35, 30 million valuation was because I was like, well, like, I get all the rest it's of it. Where it's Levy though, isn't it? You're thinking that's Levy, yeah, that's isn't true. it? <laughs> yeah. But then you see it now and you go, that's probably the best money Real Madrid have ever spent. Yeah, well, they, they, whatever Mark and I say about them not being a great team, they are a great winning machine. Um, and Sergio Ramos and the rest. Oh, there's another one, of course, who, who is, uh, you know, just larded with medals now. They do find a way to win. And next year, the likes of Manchester City um, and whoever else wants to take them on are going to have to find a way to crack the, 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 the code that they have. And next here on the Trans Europe Express, we'll have some more update from our poll. We'll have uh, some more music for you. And we'll be rattling through what went on in Turkey, Portugal, Greece, Belgium, Russia, Holland, and Ukraine, and not necessarily in that order. choice for the evening, Jefferson Airplane from the heights of the hippie happenings in San Francisco in the summer of love and way out on the end of the psychedelic spectrum, one White Rabbit. One makes you larger and one pill makes you small and the ones that mother gives you don't do anything Any record whose choruses feed your head is alright with me. Problems anyway connects you with white as we celebrate Real Madrid's victory. And if you go 81089. Direct you know me on Twitter, Danny Kelly Words. Tell them our hooker, smoking caterpillar, has given you the call in Coralis. When she was just small. One day I will do a music programme just devoted to the effect of Alice in Wonderland on pop music. We're going to try and get through all of the other leagues that we've missed out on so far. And we, of course, we'll celebrate and we'll remind ourselves that Celtic won the treble in Scotland. What about Turkey? An absolutely bonkers league this year. Yeah, it absolutely was. Uh, greatest, greatest race for a title in any country. Yeah, and it, at one stage it looked like uh, Basa Kashir were going to uh, maybe sort of beat their kind of more illustrious um, Istanbul neighbours, but it wasn't to be Galatasaray under the wily Fatih Tarim um, eventually came out three-point winners from Fenerbahce. Uh, Fatih Tarim has got an amazing amount of trophies to his name across across the, the last Emperor, 30 years, hasn't uh, he? He really has, um, and he just seems to have that Midas touch, really. Um, had, had a few spells as a national team, some more successful than others, but it, it certainly worked for him going back to Galatasaray. Um, the... <laughs> Part of the fun of this, of course, is that we we mentioned London with its five or six, with Fulham going up now, um, Premier League teams. We think about Buenos Aires, where I think virtually two-thirds of the teams in Argentina are in the capital. Um, but nearly all the teams that matter, with all due respect to one or two others, in Turkey are in Istanbul. Yeah. That's why it's so amazing. The top four. Every game is, yeah. a, is a monstrous local derby. And Besiktas, who were champions, finishing fourth with 71 points. Istanbul, Besiktas here above them. Yeah, completely dominated by the capital. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Portugal then. Um, I mean, Porto won it. What happened at, at Sporting? Oh, man, madness. 
Tell Madness. me all about it. So um, they were hoping to challenge for the title. They haven't won it, I don't think, since 2002. I want to say I might have that wrong. Um, but um, the, they missed out on Champions League football towards the end of the season. And in the game following that, 50 ultras stormed the training ground and started attacking the players, coaching staff and medical Bastos staff. Bastos got a proper battering, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, there, there was a picture of him on Twitter, I think, with a, his head cut open. And that was days before a cup final, which they then lost. Surprise, uh, surprise. Yeah, and the, also the president isn't very popular at the moment, Bruno Carvalho, because he goes on Facebook and dissects the performance and criticises the players. Well, there was that moment, wasn't there, when he criticised the players and then uh, suspended the whole team yeah. um, as well. I loved him for that. At <laughs> one stage, it looked like they were you know, going to play with the reserves. Uh, I think that they're having problems getting Jorge Jesus out of the club. Um, I mean, I wouldn't tell him he's off, but uh, no. he's on. He's obviously got. He's on big money, and they want to put a release, uh, some kind of contract in there that he can't go to a rival club, and it's getting a, a messy situation there. Um, unfortunately for Aves, who won the um, Portuguese Cup, they didn't fill in their UEFA registration in what? time, so uh, they won't be can't, in the Europa can't play League. In the cup. Um, yeah. <laughs> So what happens? The place goes to back to the league, does it? Real of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, if Turkey was passionate and Portugal chaotic, um, I haven't got an adjective for Greece and what went on there. I mean, it, it's always a brilliant laugh. You've got to be careful because sometimes it's violence. But it's always, it's always compelling what happens in Greek football. But uh, hats off. Um, to the the man who went onto the pitch uh, with with a, with a gun yeah. today because he re- uh, sorry not today this season because that really almost it was a snapshot of um, of a league that just just is endlessly chaotic. Yeah, I mean, first of all, we should say that Porto won the um, the, the Portuguese title, but in terms of Greece, I mean, AKA won it's their first league title since nineteen ninety four. So. Um, That's that really is, surprising, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, I mean, they were a team that had been knocking around Champions League, but uh, part of the reason for their success was Olympiacos getting um, deducted points. And you mentioned there about Payok with the uh, Ivan Savidis, yeah. um, who just hit headlines around Europe, entering the field of play with a gun, threatening the referee, or at least um, <laughs> uh, seemingly to, to, to threaten uh, the, the referee. Uh, and, and also worth mentioning Panathinaikos, Another famous name from Greek football, 11th in the table, had six points deducted for financial uh, reasons. So I think it's fair to say that Greek football remains in a mess. Uh, AKA did lose the Greek Cup final to Payok. Um, there were uh, violence marred that cup final as well. Well, if you, if you ever want to, um, uh, if you ever see Mickey Quinn in a bar, and it's possible you will, just go and buy him a drink and talk to him for 30 minutes about his time in Greek football where the chairman, if they beat one of the lower the, lower teams, he just said, oh, that, you don't really deserve any money for that. I'd expect you to beat them. And then um, if they beat one of the better teams, he'd come with a massive bag of money and just give it out in the dressing room. Um, much more to be said about that. Um, Belgium, after all the confusion, Club Bruges um, end, up, uh, end up champions. Yeah, uh, they did, uh, despite having their lead halved um, at the halfway stage, as we um, you know, love to point out in terms of their chaotic playoff uh, system. Seems to work quite well for them in terms of uh, building up a thrilling title race. I think the real story, though, was Standard Liège finishing second and winning um, the Belgian Cup final, Sapinto. Uh, a name that you know mm-hmm. wasn't uh, not that long ago. He's playing um, for Portugal. Yeah. He's been strongly linked with the sporting job if Jorge Jesus goes, and certainly done a, a, a fine job in Liège. 
in Russia, where, I mean, the season to me seemed to be dominated by the, the, the on-off saga of Mancini and Zenit. Yeah, you know, it was. Will he, won't he? Has he changed to a radiator? All massive, the rest of it. Massive factor. I mean, Roberto Mancini went in there and had a fantastic start to the season and you were like, our oh, Zenit are, are back and they spent a lot they of money. resources, yeah. Massive well, resources. Yeah. And uh, granted, they've lost the likes of Axel Vixel and Hulk and in recent years, but um, they've, they've assembled actually quite a good group of players and they finished the could, season Could you fifth. say Hulk the way that Tim Vickery says it? Uki, Andy Brassel does the same thing as, as, as well. though he's Finnish. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, the ultimately, the champions were a surprise because Lokomotiv Moscow won it for the first time since 2004. Full credit to Yuri Sumin, their head coach, who won the title with them in 2002 and 2004. Still knocking around at 70 years of age. This is his fourth spell. Love a fourth spell in yeah. charge. And, um, he's the Martin Allen of, he's, uh, of Russian football. <laughs> Jefferson Farfan, superb for them this season, and Manuel Fernandez, who I think's in the port. I want to say he's in the Portugal squad for the for the World Cup as well. Let's talk about Holland. Um, PSV normal service resumed there. Uh, won the title. Um, Ajax. I don't know what, where where they stand at the moment, um, uh, Mark Landon, because. Um, they, they seem to have all kinds of issues, and yet they, half the clubs in Europe, the big clubs in Europe, are desperate to get hold of their footballers. It, it, it does seem kind of strange that PSV won the league pretty comfortably, and while was, all the stars in in Holland yeah, are playing uh, for Ajax. But you know, Lozano, the uh, Mexican, uh, probably the, the one exception to that, Hindoven. But I mean, it, you know, Delit, uh, Frankie De Jong. Justin Cliver, Neres the Brazilian, uh, your Zayek. mate's boy, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I spoke to you're, Pat. Pretty, you're his godfather, I think, I, aren't I, you? I, I, I spoke to Pat about him. <laughs> Finding uh, new ways to do this joke is excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, and Zayek. We don't know why, Rob. <laughs> and you, Zayek was Eredivisie Player of the Season, and yet they've they've come absolutely nowhere near really challenging for the title. I thought one of the real good stories though was Van Persie. Yeah. Back in Rotterdam, scoring in, as Feyenoord won the uh, Dutch Cup final in the victory over Azadankmar. And of course, um, Ukraine very much in the spotlight in the last 24 hours, football-wise. Um, we don't normally hear much about their club football, partly because of the disruption caused of their, because of their neighbours and the trouble they're having. Um, but the name of Fonseca keeps coming yeah. up for the big jobs, and he's done the double there this He season. has, yeah. I commentated with... on the cup final win with Shakhtar Donetsk Shakhtar. against Dynamo Kiev. Of course, they're still not playing in Donetsk because of the political troubles in Ukraine. But um, 51 points to 22 games in the league, and then they won the cup final very comfortably. The team, I think there's a chance that some of those Brazilian guys will be off. Um, they just get more, won't they? Yeah, exactly. That's how they it works, will do, yeah. Yeah. There was talk that maybe they were going to stop doing this uh, and focus more on domestic talent, but no, I think they're going to keep like something people saying, I'm, I'm giving up the drugs next year. <laughs> you know, what, they can't can, help we, themselves. We can get, get a load of brilliantly talented Brazilians <laughs> cheaply. I think you're going to pack that in any day soon, do you? Uh, I mean, Fred's definitely on Fred, his way, yeah. isn't he? Probably yeah. Is he called Fridgy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's Fredge, actually. Oh, so, he's Fredge, yeah, yeah. Like, A bit I, like I, the milkshake. I really yeah. like the, the left-back Ishmaili. I think he may get himself a move as well. Yeah, he was called up for the Brazil squad for the last round of friendlies as a, as a late call-up. Um, and also Tyson, who's been there a little while now, um, but I'm not sure if he's going to be off. But um, yeah, very good. And Fonseca is a very good coach, expected to leave link with Everton and Arsenal. He just signed a new contract, so he's not going anywhere. Well, listen, thank you very much for rattling through all those other leagues. And if we'd left out your favourite league, apologies uh, for that. Um, coming up next here on Trans-Europe Express, we've still got half an hour to go. We'll be looking forward to the World Cup, where every game is live here on TalkSport. I've got, uh, I'm already researching using Mark Langdon's book, Costa Rica Against Serbia. I'm right across that one, because um, I'll be introducing that among many, many others of the games nobody else wanted to do. And in the next <laughs> half an hour, we'll be looking at the runners and riders for World Cup glory. Four.
Blindfold, watch it. Okay, let's talk about the upcoming World Cup. Every game live here on Talk Sport. And believe me, I wasn't laughing the other. I'm delighted to do all the middle games in these group stages. I've come here, um, I introduce the game, I get somebody on that makes tea for me, I watch it on a massive screen there behind Rob's head, and I get paid for it. I can't imagine a happier man. Are you attracting now a little bit? Are you. You backtracking a little bit because it sounded a bit derogatory before the end. Oh so no, I was, I, was, I was making out. There was a. T- I'm, I'm like Roberto Mancini. I'm making out. I'm changing the radiator. But in fact, <laughs> I'm a very willing yeah, prisoner. Trust right. me. Why wouldn't I be? God, I love the World Cup that is coming. I know. Every, I I hate the fact that it's in Russia. I know everything that's wrong with the tournament and the setup and all the rest of it. And yet, soon, soon, men in bright coloured kits will be walking out past that ball that the referee eventually picks up. They will stand and sing national anthems. The crowds will fill the stadia and people will play each other for the World Cup. I'm sorry. I've grown, I'm, I'm, I may have grown old and cynical, but that is making the hair stand up on the back of my head. Um, let's talk about some of the runners and riders very quickly. Um, Mark, what about France? I mean, on, on paper, um, if, I mean, the injury to the Arsenal centre-back, Koscielny, uh, I think it's actually solved a problem for them. It'll be Varane and Mtiti now, won't it? It will be Varane and Mtiti. Whether that solves a problem, I'm not so sure, Danny, because... Yeah, see, he's uh, written his book about this, you if, see. If you have a look at Varane and Titi, when they play their club football and both play it very well, they're next to an absolute leader. Ramos and Piquet, two of the, the you know standout mm-hmm. centre-backs. Who who leads out of uh, Varane and Titi? Who who becomes a dominant one? You're probably looking um, at the next best, Kimpembe. Again, plays with Thiago Silva at Paris Saint-Germain, another leader of that team. So it's about... Deschamps finding people and the personalities within there, um, maybe not when things are going great because it doesn't matter so much, but when you get into a Liverpool-type situation from the Champions League final, when you go a goal down, um, when you get an injury somewhere along the lines, who steps up? And that Paul would... Pogba. Well, he hasn't done that too often, has he? Um... No, but but he has the, he has the ability... Um, they've they've got an amazing squad oh, of footballers. Oh, yeah. Squad's ridiculous. It, it yeah. really is. Um, the one, I mean, they've left out players that would have walked into England starting eleven. You know, the, out of that squad. You know, it's a, Payet's injury was probably um, a shame, but he might not have even made the cut. I don't think. Um, I so, think you've been very close with him with Payet. I'm not sure if he definitely would have got him, but I think his second half of the season he might have done enough. And remember the group stage at the Euros. He was fantastic. fantastic. For, yeah. for, for, for Deschamps, how does he get Mbappe, Griezmann, 
um, into the same team because he loves Giroud as well. So deschamps has got a problem. He's got so many good players that they all think they should be starting. And that Compare and contrast always... the problem with, with Gareth Southgate's then. Yeah, oh, we'd yeah, be I picking mean, Karen yeah, Benzema, wouldn't we? Yeah, Even yeah, I mean, you, you, yeah you'd season. rather have those players, but I'm saying Deschamps has not yet come up with the solution to this team that drew a Luxembourg in qualifying, that lost to Sweden. Um, that hasn't uh, even at the Euros. I didn't think they played particularly well. They're on. They had no. everything All going right. for them. Let's speak, speaking of the Euros, then, of course, Portugal won that. Um, they're they're two years older. Um, they're the same players by and large. In fact, the young players that did so well have kind of gone backwards. Um, look Renato at Renato Sanchez. Exactly. Absolutely right. Yeah. I don't expect Portugal to do any good. Well, uh, even someone like Andre Silva, because what what Portugal played at the Euros was uh, Nani and Ronaldo uh, as a as a front two, and actually they've they've come across a very good front two for them in Andre Silva and Cristiano Ronaldo. But Andre Silva hasn't really had a very good season no, at AC Milan poor, at poor all. Season in Italy, really. uh, after a forty million euro move, they do have individual quality. Gonzalo Quedes has had a fantastic season with Valencia. Manuel Fernandes, as I mentioned, in particular with Lokomotiv Moscow. William Carvalho. Um, at Sporting, who's likely to leave this summer, but Bernardo Silva's not done badly, although in a bit part role. Ab- at absolutely City. right, and more in the second half of the season, he's come into the team. I think that. All right, you, you convinced me they're going to win. <laughs> they're going to win it. The, no, the group's rather. You know, they've got Spain in there, but they they fancy their chance against Morocco and Iran to get out of the group. And then if you've got Ronaldo, who knows how far you can uh, just, go? Just quickly on that, I know you've got Fons, who's thirty-four, Pepe thirty-five, yeah, Bruno very Alves, good point. Yeah. That that's the concern for me. Rafa Guerrero is one of the defenders Belly played this season because of injury for Dortmund. So at the back, absolutely problems. You mentioned they're in the same group as their Iberian neighbours, Spain. Uh, again, uh, perhaps because England were, were scrabbling about for players, and I see that James Tarkovsky has withdrawn from um, the reserve squad to have a small operation tonight. That's the news that seems to be breaking. Um, Spain as well have they they've got an embarrassment of riches have they got a plan for what to do about that absolutely got a plan I think Lopetegui's done a very good job he's worked with re-signed some, for another two years he has and he's yeah. worked with uh, a number of the players at sort of youth level previously yeah. so he knows them um, I, I think that they're going to go very well Spain no doubt about that the one issue I would have is just maybe a lack of dynamism up front. I was going to say, who's going to score the goals? Well, Diego Costa will start the World Cup, I would have thought. It could be one of those, though, where he starts it but doesn't finish it because the calls for Rodrigo and Aspas will grow if he doesn't. Also the red and yellow cards. Uh, well, yeah, there, there <laughs> is a World Cup. They won't yeah, necessarily well. put up with some of these nonsense, so that, will they? That would be my probably the only doubt I've got against Spain. Outside of that, very strong team, and De Gea has just been phenomenal. And back, meanwhile, back on your beat, Rob. I noticed that when you on your excellent Twitter feed, well, after thank the you, squad was you. picked, um, you picked, you showed twenty-two players who hadn't made yeah. the German squad, yeah. um, and you, I, I, they would make the quarterfinals of the World Cup themselves. Ridiculous they? squad. I didn't even include players that were injured, like Emery Chan, who who hasn't been selected for the competition. Serge Gnabry who was making a very good late push for it large Stindl who would have gone but got injured uh, three games for the end of the season the talent that they have is ridiculous and it was spread out we saw it from the under 21 side the Confederations Cup side which was almost like a Germany B team that won that comfortably uh, in Russia just exactly are they are they in better shape than they were when they won it four years ago I mean, no Philip Lahm. Um, yeah. Actually, yeah. I, I would actually say yes in that's the fullback positions. That's, what's behind my that's question. a good point. The fullback positions, I think, you know, you look, you've got Kimmich there, who's played, had a very good season with Bayern, yeah. obviously. After that, there's no real cover at right back. And then at left back, it's uh, Jonas Hector and uh, Marvin Plattenhart. Are they the best left backs in the world? No, they're good. 
that compared to the rest of the team, I mean, at centre-back, they're very strong. In the central midfield, they're exceptionally strong. They haven't taken Mario Gomez, big surprise. They haven't taken uh, they haven't taken Sandro Wagner, I should say, massive surprise. They've taken Who's going to play wide? Sane, Draxler, Royce, others? I th- he really likes Julian Draxler, even though Draxler has not been a regular start for PSG. I think he's going to be one of them. I don't think he's going to start with Leroy Sané um, either, uh, necessarily. I think if Marco Royce proves he's fit in the upcoming uh, friendlies that they've got in the training camps, I think he- I think he'd even take the gamble and start Marco Royce. Uh, Rob, just going to ask, do you think... I mean, Sami Kadir has had an average season for Juventus, but he's a favourite of Yogi Love. Do you yeah. think he will start? And what about in goal? I think Sami Khedira is pretty nailed on to start alongside Tony Cruz. Y- Yogi Love is notoriously loyal to players, isn't he? He rarely changes things up. The thing with the goalkeeper situation is very interesting. Manuel Neuer has been injured the whole season, barely uh, barely had a game. Uh, Marc-Andre Testegen has played basically every game for Barcelona, yet we're in a situation by Yogi Love has got four goalkeepers. They're going to drop one uh, in the coming days. And he said if, if Neuer goes, he'll be number one. I think, I think It seems I, like a risk, doesn't I, it? I, I just... I, if they had no good goalkeepers as backup, if they were, you know, but Ter Stegen would be in the top 10 in the world. Why yeah. Why would you risk? I mean, I know Manuel Neuer, Talisman, all that stuff, but he hasn't played football for a, a year. And I don't it? think they should be afraid to take him as one of the three, yeah, of but not play him. Of course. I there's no problem with that. But You ask him, do you want to come with us? But because yeah. of your situation, we might have to, you know, Ter Stegen may start and then see what he says. And I, I imagine he'd go. Um, do you think they'll go Deep, They'll go deep, deep, deep in the again. tournament, and, they, yeah. and look, I spend a lot of time in that country. It's not a case of, oh, I wonder how we're going to do. It's going to be, it's the mentality is just clear. Semi-finals, at least. And then, and then we'll see what we do we'll from there. We'll see what we do, yeah. Okay, that was fantastic. But we still got to discuss um, Brazil, Argentina, Belgium and <clears throat> England. listeners to the show will know that our producer is musical taste stopped about 20 years ago with Jamiroquai <laughs> and whatever homework I say he seems to find a Jamiroquai link this is something called White Knuckle Ride by the aforementioned Cat in the Hat this is from Patrick who's been my producer for the last couple of years here on Trans Europe Express I should make it known that it could, the show just doesn't work without him he's obsessed with uh, football of all kinds European football and it's his passion for the game and knowledge of it that makes Trans Europe Express work. Which is why I'm, a, which is why I'm allowing him this horrible music. <laughs> I keep saying that, 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 that my co-hosts are great, the producer's great. What am I doing here? Absolutely nothing. Just joining Sometimes in. Sometimes I do come in and Pat knows more of the stories than me and I think I'll know. Yeah, I know. I, know. I don't know, I don't know how he does it. <laughs> now listen, let's talk about some more of the runners and riders. Um, well, we seem to be saying this about every squad. Well, Brazil have got six squads of players now. We've got a little bit of uh, first-hand knowledge here because they recently played uh, against Germany in Berlin. And inevitably, while um, Mark Langdon was probably in some dive with Paddy, with Paddy Kleibert, mm. uh, you were there working I hard. I was supposed to be professional, obviously, yeah, yeah. Uh, covering the game. Uh, Brazil won at Germany uh, by a goal to nil. And... Um, they just have a very good balanced squad now under. And now we're, we're going to have to sort out the name of the coach, right? Right. So T-I-T-E. Yeah. It's it, Cheech. You're calling him Cheech, are you? Yeah. Okay, fine. Which I good. did do on the commentary I did at the game in Berlin. And how did that go with your employers? 
The Germans loved it. Oh, actually. The Germans. It was those German broadcasters, so they, they were very happy. But I don't know if that's going to happen at the World Cup. I think well, people are going to well, go, T-T-T. Yeah, well, look, whatever the, the, the coach is called, people will be concentrating on what, what's inside those oh, yeah, yellow that's, shirts. That's very true. Who'll be playing? Paulinho will be playing. Fernandinho will be playing. Uh, Casemiro up front. The front three, should Neymar be fit, will be uh, Neymar, Gabriel Jesus and Douglas Costa. Um, no Firmino in starting I, I don't think not quite. Um, they've got this very balanced... 4-3-3, which is very effective. They're actually pretty strong defensively these days as well. And a wash with good goalkeepers. Uh, the days when England, we used to laugh at Brazilian goalkeepers. Long gone. Edison doesn't even start for them. And, and we look, start, at, look yeah. at how good he's been in the, the Premier League this season. Alisson, the outstanding goalkeeper, I think Mark would know better than me in Syria this season, will be their, their number one at the World oh, Cup. Oh, yeah, he, he will. You've got to get Coutinho into that. Oh, and Felipe like Coutinho, sorry. Coutinho in the three in the centre of so, field, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, an embarrassment of uh, riches. One slight problem, Danny Alves is injury um, but if you're going to have a problem I think Rob was saying that about the, uh, the German team the fullback is probably the area um, to, to have it so it'll either be the home base Wagner or uh, Danilo Danilo yeah. it'll be the centre-halves um, well, that's the interesting one Thiago Silva doesn't start um, most times these days Marquinhos um, and, and Miranda probably be the first choice um, but you have got Thiago Silva there if, if anything and if wrong. Neymar doesn't start the World Cup if he's not I'm he's sure he will because he's a bit of a git I'm sure, he'll, I'm sure he'll be fit they'll probably shift Coutinho into the front three and then play someone else in the centre midfield so we'll wait and see well fantastic sounding group of players and again um, they don't have unless Coutinho plays in midfield they don't have the unbelievable flair they used to have in that part of the team but they've got some very hard working tough they're a bit pragmatic yeah, yeah, they it's are. functional isn't Function, it midfield? Yeah. but I think that the, that functional midfield will help them because they've got so many attacking options elsewhere maybe be a bit unbalanced if there was a load of creativity in central midfield the days well. of Zico, Socrates and Cerezo all playing together in central midfield uh, yeah well a dream Danny a dream from the past uh, an entirely different kind of squad with Argentina. Um, uh, clearly, an amazing array of talent up front. Icardi left out of the squad. Um, and all kinds of questions about how they're going to try and defend their goal, if indeed even bother. Yeah, I mean, Higuain, Messi, Aguero, Dybala, the, the four forwards in that team, uh, or a squad, uh, over 120 league goals between them. Um, this is, which is not, is not bad. But you know, when you talk about Argentina, you only ever talk about the the forward players, never about the defenders. Otamendi and Fazio. Teams don't tend to win the World Cup just by having the best group of forwards. No, because this is not really like the Champions League either. Because teams are tired, it does tend to turn into a bit of a battle. A slog. I think it's fair to say, and um, you know, usually better balanced teams go well. What I would say is that Sampaoli arguably the best coach in the competition certainly up there would say Yogi Love or, or somebody like that Diego Maradona would disagree he's been <laughs> yeah, slagging him off relentlessly I mean yeah. which maybe tells you which what... given his fantastic coaching record yeah, exactly uh, another issue Sergio Romero the goalkeeper Manchester United out. goalkeeper out uh, sounds like the wonderfully named Armani uh, looks suited yeah. to the role hey! oh, <laughs> have it... you had that for three hours <laughs> yeah. and he kept it in a little box and everything it was yeah. so sweet <laughs> but I, I mean the, the fact is he's uncapped and he's in his 30s and is either him or there's probably a reason for that uh, him or uh, Caballero likely to start in goal that's not the embarrassment of riches like you've got up front and I just feel that and when you see unbalanced. with all due respect after an excellent season with Rome when you see Fazio 
um, and Rojo, people like that may start at the back for them. Teams will look to, they'll believe if they can weather the storm of those fantastic forwards, they can get Argentina. And, and Matthew Arano passed his best, so you're asking somebody like Benega, maybe Lucas Bilia, Di Maria have to play in midfield as well. What do you think's that group? Iceland, Croatia, Nigeria. I, I think murder. Yeah, I, I think Proper it's murder. really hard. Uh, yeah. It's one of the hardest groups, no doubt about that. Because none of those teams are going to give you anything, are they? No. In a different and, ways. Uh, Nigeria beat Argentina in a friendly recently as well. Um, look, the, 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 the two teams that we made up almost entirely of Premier League players are, of course, England, or Harry Kane's England, as we must learn to call them now, as we, as we over-emphasize um, the role of the captain <laughs> in football and fetishize it, and Belgium. Um, and again, when you look at the names on their team sheet, I think, Mark, this is another example, a bit like France, of can, can all the pieces of a jigsaw become a picture rather than just a pile of pieces. Yeah, of, of course. I mean, in qualifying, we saw them play the 3-4-3 three, three, um, often. So Courtois in goal, Alderweireld, Vertonghen, company, your back three, Mounier right wing back, Carrasco, um, a very attack-minded left, that is, that left is, wing back, yeah. but still. Yeah. Uh, De Bruyne. That, that, that is so Martinez, by the way, <laughs> thinking he can make Carrasco into a left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, De Bruyne and Witzel as your two midfielders. Hazard, Lukaku, Mertens as the front three. People say, why has Nangalan not been picked for the squad? He doesn't get on with, with Roberto Martinez. And Martinez has come to the conclusion that Nangalan will cause problems if he doesn't start. He's not going to start. And that's the truth, isn't it? Because he didn't say that in the press conference. No. He said, I had a chat with him in Rome and we sat down and I said, you, you know, you don't really play the style of football. So I'm, I don't want to take you if you're not going to start. It's utter rubbish. And Gordon Strachan... Um, on my Monday night show, who has had to pick international squads, actually said it through gritted teeth. He said, for, the, you know, for these squads, if you're going away for more than three days, anyone who you think is going to cause trouble, you need to get them out of the squad because it's not the fact they're going to cause trouble, that can be, but you spend so much time dealing with it that the other players get fed up. They yeah. start to say, well, hang on, what about us then? And right. if England's going to be the one... That I mean, uh, there's one of the England players who people have talked about as an England possible who he thinks might... I'll say it. I think Shelby might fall into that into that into that, that category. I think it's interesting there that uh, Martinez said he met up with Nangalan in Rome because when they were in the same restaurant in Ibiza about this time twelve months ago, they didn't even speak to each other. So um, I didn't know that. yeah, there's uh, there's no love lost. Can, you know, can De Bruyne and Hazard can they win the World Cup? Yes. Yeah. They're I one, mean, they're Mar- one of a half dozen teams that can win it, aren't they? R- Roberto Martinez is a very average coach but he's still better than Mark Wilmots, who took them to two quarterfinals. Absolutely. We've got two minutes to go. Um, I've done all the thanking I want to do, and I've certainly kissed enough of your rings um, for over the last uh, little while to make sure, sure that you at least come back uh, to the poorly paid post of being my co-hosts here on Trans Europe Express. So we've got about a minute to talk about England, um, the squaddies. You don't talk about Palmer? Oh, sorry. Why don't we... Let's forget about England. There'll be enough about England. Everybody, everybody for some reason wants to. They're all of an age for the first team that ever caught. Imagine Palmer are back in the interior. Well, I want to give it to Mark because Mark knows more. But Palmer from Syria D are back in Syria. Ah, they three are. straight promotions. Yes, that, that, that they are. I mean, obviously following the collapse of Palmerlat, that the, the big sponsors there with fifteen million, fifteen billion pounds worth of debt. Yeah, biggest ever bankruptcy. That is a uh, lot of, of ham, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and and long life milk as well. Um, but when they were, in, in terms of obviously when Gazetta and Italian football. Will first come yeah. onto our screens in this country. Palmer, one of the big teams, uh, Buffon, Cannavaro, 
Roxbury, uh, Berlin. They, Beautiful they were just, shirts. Yeah, they, yeah. They, yeah, it, yeah you know, they caught the imagination. They had to go right down you know, to the bottom, the depths of Italian football. They're back. And uh, the man who's guided them through that on the pitch, Luca Relli, uh, from the b- right down the league and back up the leagues, he's retired. He has, and yeah. And they retired um, his shirt, I think. I mean, he's, he's, he's certainly old enough to retire, I think it's fair to say. Um, and Yeah, but he was part of that sort of generation that, that made sure that they came back up before he, um, he he's on his way. Listen, you two, all joking aside about what what, what you're wearing as underwear or laundry, as I see it from here, um, about the colour of your hair. Fantastic. Thank you well, so much. No, no, no. I'm saying all, all jo- that part. <laughs> Thank you so much for the last year. It's been absolutely it's been great. fantastic. It's such fun, Danny, yeah. And thank you so much uh, for making it uh, the show that it is. And thank you all for listening. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans-Europe Express on Talk Sport. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.